Welcome in. It is a Monday edition here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Mike Steely Parker Thune with you. Our first hour, as always, brought to you by Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Appreciate their sponsorship of the first hour here on the program. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, Monday is here. The weather's going to be nice today. Low 70s later today. That'll be nice. And then it gets nasty again on Wednesday and Thursday. Parker, how you doing? Good weekend? Solid weekend. I got to relax. Did you Which really? is awesome. I got to spend the next five, six weekends on the road. So uh, getting getting the chance to kick back and just relax was nice. Everybody needs to recharge. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the Sooners are going to have to recharge in uh, basketball, and they're going to have to recharge in a hurry. They play at Texas Tech tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Oklahoma led uh, eight to nothing early over Iowa State, but Iowa State shot at seventy five percent in the first half, sixty seven percent for the game. The Sooners lose by twenty one. They also have lost Elijah Harkless for the season to a knee injury, which obviously is not good. So you talk about more work for Oklahoma. Oh yeah, there is a lot more work to be done if they are to get to the tournament. Uh, it's still a possibility, but man, they've got to play a lot better. And now they're going to have to do it without Elijah Harkless. So we'll uh, talk a little sooner basketball later at Texas. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. you got Baylor at Oklahoma State tonight in the Big 12. 8 o'clock tip, regular ESPN. Baylor and OSU at 8 o'clock on ESPN. West Virginia at TCU, uh, also 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. And again, the Sooner game tomorrow night will also be an ESPN Plus broadcast at 7 o'clock. The OU women lost, too, and they got blown out by Iowa State. They lost by 21, and the Sooner men lost by 21. Uh, over the weekend, nice win for Mark Adams in Texas Tech at uh, Austin, beating the Longhorns 61-55. Kansas took care of business at West Virginia. Baylor beating TCU at home. You had the Cowboys winning in overtime thanks to a big Avery Anderson three. He had 20. Bryce Thompson had 23. The Cowboys win an OT against Kansas State. We had NBA All-Star Weekend. I thought Josh Giddy had a really good weekend. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns won the three-point shootout. Trey Young tied for second. Obi Toppin won a less-than-stellar slam dunk competition. Uh, Team LeBron beat Team KD with Steph leading the way with 50 points on uh, 16 threes. Only 16 for Steph and uh, interesting uh, talk from LeBron over the weekend, including some high praise for uh, Thunder rookie Josh Giddy and for GM Sam Presti. The Thunder will next play on Thursday night, 7 o'clock against Phoenix, team with the best record in the league, but now without Chris Paul for six to eight weeks due to a thumb injury. That's uh, not a good injury for Phoenix. It would have him back in time for the playoffs. But uh, Parker, uh, Jocelyn Allo with the record-setting home run, well, record-tying home run over the weekend, as called by Chris Plank, of course. And number 95 for Jocelyn Allo. The OU men's uh, or women's softball team obviously is an absolute beast. We knew that going into the season. They won all five games in the Houston Classic and run-ruled all of their opponents. They have scored 95 runs to their opponents, too. And uh, Oklahoma just looks like an, an absolute machine. You want to hear the Plank call? Let's do it. Yeah, let's hear Chris Plank's excellent call of the record-tying home run yesterday. I love how Plank didn't even try to, like, hype it up while it was in the air. He was just like, yeah, that's gone. 
Yeah, you can because tell. we become so accustomed yeah, to it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, Sooner baseball team won two of three in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown at Globe Life Field in Arlington over the weekend. They beat Auburn in their opener. They lost the uh, Saturday game to Arizona 14-4, bounced back, beat Michigan 6-1 to uh, yesterday. Uh, so a lot of things happening over the weekend, no doubt about it. Uh, but I want to start with Sooner football. That's always a good place to start. And let's talk about what's going on recruiting-wise for Oklahoma because uh, you had some offers over the weekend and you had a preferred walk-on announcing his commitment to OU. So what can you tell us, Parker? Uh, let's start with a kid from uh, Marcus who is a teammate of Ashton Kozert's, right? Uh, that announced that he is uh, committed to Oklahoma coming to OU as a preferred walk-on. That's right. So, I mean, OU's preferred walk-on presence in this class is really, really strong. And they're getting some dudes. They're not just getting jags. They're not just getting names to put on the roster. These are all guys that can eventually contribute in some capacity at the University of Oklahoma. Now, Dallas Dudley is the particular PWO that you're referring to, 2022 wide receiver out of Flower Mound, Marcus. He's the school's all-time leading receiver, and he's also the son of former NFL tight end Ricky Dudley, who won a Super Bowl championship in 2002 with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Spent nine seasons, I want to say, in the pros. So he's got the genetics, uh, he's got the production, he's got the tape. And again... You look at Oklahoma's crop of PWOs in this cycle, they're guys that could all eventually play at OU. They're not just, oh, you know, he's going to ride the bench, he's going to have his jersey on with shorts on the sideline, and he's going to be swinging a towel in the air for the next five years. Well, nobody could ever top Mo Dampier in that department in the uh, Sugar Bowl National Championship loss to, uh, to LSU. And there's and Nick your, Saban back in the day. There's your Monday Modam Pier reference. That's right. He was he was maybe the greatest towel waving five star in the history of college football. But again, it's guys like these, guys like Dallas Dudley, guys like Gavin Freeman, guys like Tawi Walker, the junior college running back that they got out of the Las Vegas area. It's these types of guys that you know, you hope you never have to use them, right? You hope you're in a situation where all your high-end scholarship acquisitions pan out and pay off and you're playing for national championships with the guys that you secured in the 2022 class and the 2023 class and on into 2024, and you hope your blue-chip guys are the ones leading the way. But if worse comes to worst and the injury bug bites or you whiff on a prospect that you were really confident in, It always helps to have guys like these waiting in the wings who are going to have that little extra dog in them. They're going to be like Jake from State Farm, right? They're an insurance policy, but a really good one. A really good one, like from the Julia Chu agency, right? I mean, you think about uh, these guys, you could also imagine them because they seem like, again, when you've got the leading receiver in the history of that school, that's not a bad uh, football program there. And they just got a commitment again from Ashton Cozart. Uh, recently, and he is a uh, you know a teammate of Ashton Cozart. So you never know; uh, these could be the kind of guys you see in a video one day, where after practice, you know, Brand announces they're on a full ride, possibly. Correct? That is correct. And you think about the last few years, obviously Drake Stoops yeah. has been hugely impactful Absolutely. as no an doubt. ex-preferred walk-on, and Oklahoma has arguably the <laughs> the most record-breaking preferred walk-on in the history of preferred walk-ons in one Baker Mayfield. 
Yeah, no doubt. And uh, what a great story Drake Stoops is, too, man. That kid is gritty. He's tough. And he's a good football player, man. He earned it. There is no doubt he earned it. And Sooner fans love him. Of course, they love all the Stoopses forever, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Uh, tell me about Reuben Hurricane Bain Jr. 2023 defensive lineman out of the state of Florida. Why? So what is – why are we talking I, I about just, I like the name. First of all – Reuben Hurricane Bain. I mean, that's a guy you want. I mean, you grow up in Florida and you wreak havoc off the edge. Uh, you're probably going to end up with a nickname resembling Hurricane. But no, Reuben Bain is one of those dudes that you're going to want to have an eye on here in the class of 2023 because I think he presents an interesting case study as to how well Brent Venables and Todd Bates and the rest of this Oklahoma staff are going to be able to recruit the state of Florida going forward. Now, there is some uh, there is some belief that the Sooners could be hosting Bain next month. Nothing is confirmed as of yet. I'm going to have to check back with uh, Brandon Drum on that one. Of course, he's been down making the rounds for us in Florida for the last week or so. So I know Bain was one of the guys that he checked in on. But Miami Central out of Miami, Florida, which is a high school that has churned out some pretty elite talent over the years and will continue to do so over the next couple of cycles. Bain's offer list includes... Not shockingly, the Hurricanes of Miami, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Michigan. So there's some heavy hitters on that list. If Oklahoma can go and get Reuben Bain out of the Sunshine State, that is a huge testament to the immediate impact that Brent Venables and Todd Bates in particular have on Oklahoma's recruiting efforts. Because traditionally, I know OU's getting, they're getting ready to make the transition to the SEC, right? And so they're going to have to recruit SEC territory more fervently. But historically, these aren't the type of guys that Oklahoma pulls out of the state of Florida. Every so often, you'll get a Jaden Davis or you'll get a Kendall Dennis, for instance. And to be fair, Kendall Dennis has not done much in an Oklahoma uniform. But the point being, every so often, you'll get a guy like a Jaden Davis. You'll get a guy like a Nick Benito that decides to leave their digs in the Sunshine State and come to Oklahoma. That's the exception, not the rule. If Oklahoma can make a habit of poaching elite talent out of the state of Florida, that's good news. That is good news going forward because the state of Florida is one of those regions of the country, Mike, where there is a lot of talent every single year. No doubt. And I'm trying to think of an old school uh, OU gets uh, from the Miami area. Elvis Peacock was one. I think Freddie Nixon was one back during the Switzer days. So they've been able to pull a few, and they've all been pretty good out of that area, no doubt. So we'll see. What about Avery Stewart, the uh, four-star defensive back in the 2023 class? Uh, I saw him talking about his offer, uh, Shelton Sampson Jr., wide receiver out of Baton, Louis, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You're noticing again where the Sooners are uh, appearing a lot more is in that part of the country, in SEC country, right? Exactly. Well, it, 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 With the state of Louisiana, I'm about to the point where I'm going to have to see it to believe it because you know we talk so often about – the likes of Texas A&M or Florida or Alabama or Georgia being able to go into the boot every single year and steal elite talent from under LSU's nose. The harsh reality is that most of the elite talent that comes from within the state of Louisiana ends up playing college football at LSU. And I think that's going to be the case going forward, particularly with Brian Kelly, now the head coach down there and the star-studded staff that he has assembled. But you talk about Avery Stewart, and that's another hotbed 
that we need to focus on is the state of Alabama. Alabama, Georgia, Florida, those are three states that are going to be huge for Oklahoma in the coming years. And Stewart's one of those guys where if you can land him, maybe that opens the door a little bit further for you to be able to score more top-end guys down the road from those states. Well, Brent Venable's passion is being noticed by everybody. You've seen all the videos. You've seen uh, the press conferences where he, he's got, uh, no doubt, a ton of passion. And Perrion Winfrey, who is uh, getting ready, obviously, to uh, go into the NFL draft, he probably would be the first Sooner selected in the draft. It'll either be he or Nick Benito, but after what he did in Mobile, it'll probably be Perrion Winfrey. And even Perrion Winfrey said, you know, I'm going pro, man, but I had to think for a second about possibly playing for Brent Venables, here's what he told uh, 247 Sports about his initial meeting with Brent. Hey, man, I love that, man. So we we all sat in on the first meeting to meet him. Man, we was locked in the whole time. Like, you could just tell, like, he a dog. Like, he bringing that winning culture. He know what it takes to win. He done done it several times. So he bringing that smash mouth football back to OU. He bringing everything back like it was. Like, I just, sitting in that meeting made me think, like, man, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, my grad draft grade good, but I'm trying to play for this man the way he and her talking. And then after that, everybody had left, and I, like, went up to him to introduce myself. I'm like, I'm Perry on Winfrey. He looked at me. He was like, oh, that's you. He was like, you know you got one more year of eligibility, right? <laughs> after he said that, that made me think about it even, even more, man. But I knew that I had a great opportunity to feed my family, and I just had to do what was best for me. But if, if I could, I would play for that man for sure. All right, Perion Winfrey, by the way, projected by DraftWire over the weekend as the first Sooner selected. Uh, they had him going number 60 to Tampa Bay. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Kind of crazy to think about, you <laughs> well, know, I mind going to Tampa Bay? Absolutely not. No, but. he wouldn't. And they had Nick Benito going 62nd, so they'd both be second-round selections. Very early, obviously, for Winfrey, they had Benito going to Kansas City, and then Marquise Hayes going into the third round of the 49ers. So just to kind of give you an idea where uh, one of the draft boards sees the Oklahoma Prize prospects right now Winfrey early uh you know second round selection Benito second round selection and Marquise Hayes third round but you know still Marquise Hayes really yeah you still have the uh, that third round I think is where they had projected him combine still means a lot uh Perry on Winfrey has a ton of uh, momentum heading into the combine after what he did in Mobile but uh who knows what's going to happen with the combine you've got uh half the players threatening to uh boycott the combine because of their COVID policy so we'll see what's going to happen there may be an announcement on that coming up later today all right just underway thank you again to a great sooner and a great company tim lasher lasher home comfort systems they will meet all of your heating and air needs they've done it for us at chase stadium they can do it for you as well at a great price with tremendous work thank you again to tim lasher and his company when we get back let's talk about the predicament for the sooner basketball team not looking good we'll get into that when we return
right, welcome back. Well done. Well done. The Sooners will not go down without a fight, and the fight has not been the problem. The uh, The issue has been Oklahoma's just not quite as talented, and uh, certainly you take Elijah Harkless out of the lineup, and you've got an issue, a bigger issue than you already had. Iowa State shoots uh, 67% from the field for the the uh, game, 75% the first half. You know, Oklahoma breaks out. It's an 8 nothing lead. you got... Jacob Groves hitting threes. The Sooners looking pretty good. Iowa State, though, uh, had a double-digit lead at halftime. The Sooners got uh, within striking distance again in the second half. And then that 15-0 run in the second half that Iowa State went on, uh, closed it out for the Cyclones. Isn't it amazing? Hilton Coliseum, man. Those people in Ames, Iowa, they come out to support their teams, do they not? I mean, that place was rocking. It was rocking, and again, the Sooners now, they've got to play at TAC tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, ESPN Plus, against the number, I I didn't even see the new rankings, but uh, Tech was 11th going into Austin over the weekend, and that was a big win for the Red Raiders to beat Chris Beard for the second time and do it at the Irwin Center Saturday. So, and Tech's going to have some revenge on, uh, on their mind in this matchup because the Sooners played probably their best game of the season, beating Tech by 15 back on February 9th. But Porter Moser and company, again, man, there's a lot of work to be done. You've got to win three out of four to have a shot. And even even that would put you at 7-11. and 11, And you're still very much at the mercy of what happens in conference tournaments and everything else. So is it over for Oklahoma? No. Not quite. Is it close to being over? It is very close. Are they in intensive care? Is the plug – can you pull the plug here? Maybe after, let's say, if you lose one of those two home games to Oklahoma State or West Virginia, you can pull the plug. That's yeah. it. They're oh, yeah. done. Oh, they're yeah. definitely they lo- done. They lose any of those final three games. Yes. I think they're done. Yeah. Right now, they are comatose and on life support. That's right. The prognosis does not look very good. Here is Porter Moser on the loss Saturday in Ames for the Sooners. I mean, I, I thought we started both halves the right way. You know, I thought we start, came out. We took a lead, I, mean, I think, and then, um, but then we got down 15 at half. Then we started the game in the second half. We cut it to five. The first 10 minutes, we cut it to five. Played 10 minutes of really good basketball. And then you start getting some some rotations. You start doing some things. And, man, it went from five to 15 really fast. And uh, I, I, we got to focus on those, those first 10 minutes of the second half. I thought we did some really good things. Not enough, though. And uh, Isaiah Brockington, of course, had a great game. He had 22 for Iowa State. And the Sooners, again, man, you take uh, what's already a fairly thin team and you take Elijah Harkless out of the game, who also, you know, not, not just his offense, but his defense is really what Porter yes. Moser was talking about. The ability to switch and have a couple guys in there at once that could switch. And they just weren't the same without him on the defensive end. So, um, what would be. Let's say Oklahoma. I think they're probably going to go two and two over this stretch. They'll lose at Tech, and I think they'll probably lose in Bramlage. Uh, and you're 16 and 15 going to the Big 12 tournament. Uh, if you lose one of those other games, let's say you lose to Oklahoma State twice, you lose three of four, and you're uh, 15 and 17. Is that? I mean, you consider that like a disastrous season for Porter in his first year? How do you classify that? And, of course, then they would go to the NIT or wherever. Yeah, and who at this knows? point, I don't know that I would classify any outcome as disastrous just because they've played so many close ball games, And they like, played they're, hard, they're, too. They haven't they're quit. Not getting, they're not getting run out of the field house every week. 
They have proven that they can go toe-to-toe with Baylor. They can go toe-to-toe with Kansas. They shellacked Texas Tech at the Lloyd yeah, Noble Center. Like I said, that was I think that's their best win of the year right there. And so for me right now, I have confidence that they're going to defend their home court against West Virginia and Oklahoma State. And, man, that final game of the regular season against Kansas State looms so large because there is a vast difference between heading into the Big 12 tournament at 17-14 and 14 on a three-game winning streak as opposed to heading into the Big 12 tournament 16-15 and 15 and having lost your final game in conference play and your 10th consecutive game at Bramlage Coliseum. Well, the bottom line is uh, if the Sooners don't win at three, three out of four, uh, which means in, we don't see them winning in Tech at Tech tomorrow night in Lubbock because, again, I think Tech – uh, you know, they, they were uh, they were taken to task by Oklahoma down the stretch in that game February 9th, and they lost by 15. Uh, so I think that game you, you put in the L column, could the Sooners go down there and pull a, you know, a really surprising win? Yeah, they could, but I don't see it happening, which means you have to win your last three, Parker. And then even in that situation, Oklahoma is still in a very precarious spot. Yeah, precarious of, but they is won't the proper even, word here. They won't even be in any spot. Uh, in terms of making the tournament if they lose two of these last you, four. You've got to win your last three, and I've been saying it for weeks. You've got to win these last three. If you don't win those last three, you're going to the NIT or worse. If you win those last three and you're able to go into Big 12 tournament play at 17 and 14, then the question becomes can you get one in Big 12 tournament play? Because I think if you can win one game, that punches your ticket. If you lose – and you finish the regular season at 17 and 15, you're on the bubble, and I'm not sure at that point whether I would favor you to end up in the field of 68. But if you can get to 18 wins, that that to me is a cutoff. If you can win 18 games in this Big 12, I think you're in the tournament. Well, and uh, it starts tomorrow night in Lubbock, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. We have a couple games in the league tonight. Number 7, uh, Baylor at Oklahoma State, 8 o'clock tip on ESPN. West Virginia in Fort Worth to take on uh, TCU. That's an ESPN Plus game, uh, 7 o'clock. Sorry, folks, I'm, I'm struggling here. I'm still trying to breathe. This stupid sinus infection, whatever it is, will not let go of me. It's attached itself. It's like that odor in Seinfeld, you know, that, that was in the car. It's attached itself to me and won't let go. So I'm trying to battle through. What did you think of the uh, Juwan Howard incident yesterday? Man. I, I I don't know what to think of all of that because I'm like, okay, I, like I need more context for what was going on because I don't I, – I try my best not to jump to any conclusion based on one isolated social media clip. So I need a little bit more context for what was going on behind the scenes, but – you know, I I agree. Like the people on social media that are calling for Jawan Howard to get fired That's for ridiculous. that, it is ridiculous. He definitely needs will, to be suspended yeah, and will be suspended, will maybe get, for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. That's the type of thing where you know you're a head coach, you're trying to set your example for your team, but at the same time, it's pretty clear to me, at least from what I've seen, that Jawan Howard wasn't the instigator. His response was the most – Was way uh, over the top. Yeah, Too yeah. much, yes. But you're right. The assistant coach kind of grabbed him and stopped him and put his hands on him. And I don't think it was too aggressive. but And this was kind of an open-hand slap attempt by Jamon Howard. 
You know, yeah, I think uh, he, it wasn't people were saying, well, Woody Hayes got fired for punching that Clemson player. Well, Woody Hayes, number one, he went after a player. Uh-huh. Number two, Woody grabbed him by the face mask and tried to throw like an uppercut. He wasn't like slapping him on the side of the helmet like Bruce Arians did, right? Earlier this year. So Woody's offense was much more egregious. Juwan Howard should serve a suspension. I don't know how long. But it's not like he had a closed fist trying to punch the guy and knock him out. I think um, – and then, you know, it's kind of like all basketball fights. They kind of – unless it's ORU. Uh, but it's – it was – I don't know. But, yeah, the people immediately, the knee-jerk reaction, this guy needs to be fired, yeah, was garbage. way over the top. You fine him twenty twenty five thousand dollars suspend him for a game or two, and that's that. Yes, which I think the Big Ten will be doing at some point probably today. Usually that stuff – Uh, those decisions come down pretty quickly, so we shall see. Okay, we're going to break right here. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Welcome back. If you're uh, just joining us, thank you. Air Comfort Solutions text line always available to you, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Is LeBron making a long-range play for OKC after what he said this weekend? Mm, What do you think? Oh, boy. Yes, LeBron We'll be in OKC, ladies and gentlemen. It's only a matter of time. Hopefully, maybe, probably not, but we'll talk about it when we get back.
All right, NBA All-Star Weekend has come and gone, and uh, Josh Giddy performed, uh, I thought, very well uh, when he was out there representing the Oklahoma City Thunder Friday night uh, in the Rising Stars uh, Tournament on Friday. He was second in the Skills Challenge Saturday with Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes. Uh, the Cavs team won on Evan Mobley's uh, half-court shot, probable rookie of the year, Evan Mobley. But uh, Josh Giddy looked really good, uh, did very well. Carl Anthony Towns won the three-point shootout. Trey Young tied for second. Obi Toppin won the slam dunk contest, which was a hey, 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 hold on, hold on. Who won? Obi Toppin. No, the three-point oh. shootout. Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns won yes. the three-point shootout? He's a good three-point shooter, and in fact, he said he has always talked about himself being the best big-man shooter of all time, and he was out to prove it in the three-point contest. Wow. I think it was D. Wade who picked him, uh, talking about it uh, Saturday night, and uh, yeah, he, he shot it well, obviously went in the three-point shootout. So. Here's how I know that NBA All-Star Weekend is now irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Not only do I have no idea who won which event this past weekend, no idea whatsoever, but I also saw zero highlights from NBA All-Star Weekend on my Twitter feed. I did watch. I did not uh, see a single clip. Some of the Saturday night stuff because Trey Young was involved. Watched a little bit and the skills challenge with Josh Giddy. It was more we had Shay's uh, brother and his wife over and we had some steak and crab legs. So uh, I had uh, All-Star Saturday night kind of on in the background. Then we all watched when Trey Young was out there for the three-point contest. So I didn't watch it. Uh, real intensively, but I did uh, watch some of it. But I had to bow out in the uh, when once uh, the NFT came out again in the uh, slam dunk contest. I was it was Jalen Green, right? Uh, I was out. But LeBron uh, coached up again his team to beat Kevin Durant's team one sixty three one sixty in the actual game yesterday. Steph Curry sixteen threes fifty points. I watched about three minutes of that. That was it. But it was interesting, LeBron obviously is kind of making statements to the Lakers organization about maybe what he needs and what his future could be. He was back in Cleveland. He was asked about that. He didn't rule out a possible return to Cleveland. LeBron, of course, after going to Miami, he came back to Cleveland, got that city a championship, which was really cool. Uh, And he also was asked about Josh Giddey over the weekend, LeBron was. And not only did he talk about uh, how impressed he is with Josh Giddey, he also gave a shout-out to Sam Presti. He's he's really, really, really good. Um, He has a a great pace about the game, um, great vision. Um, I've always loved uh, pass-first guards um, who can see plays happen before they happen. And, um, you know, Josh is one of those kids who can definitely see the game um, a lot quicker than a lot of guys out on the floor. And he's shown, I think he got like three straight triple doubles. Um, you know, he's just been playing uh, beautiful basketball. Um, but the MVP over there is Sam Preston. He the MVP. I mean, Josh Giddy is great. But Sam Preston, I don't understand. This guy's eye for talent. He drafted KD. Russ, Jeff Green, Sergi Bakker, Reggie Jackson, um, Josh Giddy, and the list goes on and on and on. This guy's pretty damn good. There you go. He's clearly coming to Oklahoma City, Parker. It's going to be LeBron and Bronny in Oklahoma City. I love how people continue to perpetuate the narrative that Sam Presti's good at his job. 
He is good at his job. Oh, please, Mike. He is missed some. He, I'll tell you what he he's good at. He didn't even throw James Harden in there. I'll tell you what he's good at. He is great at kicking the can down the road. Well, which gives him a ton of job security because he's like, well, we're, we're two or three years away from being a championship. Team. It was Benedict Duran who put him in this situation. That's who the only man who's more evil is uh, Muleshoe. That's it. But no. Look, here's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to avoid stockpiling these picks. At some point, you got to use them. And we'll see what happens this year, like with the Clippers pick and everything. But I think overall, Sam Presti's done a really good job. Uh, but yes, Oklahoma City fans are not going to let him, you know, just talk about tanking and, you know, whatever phrase he calls it forever. They're finally going to get tired of this. But how about. LeBron James, player coach with Bronny, coming to uh, Le- uh, Bronny's in the 2023 class, right? By the way, whose who's number does Bronny wear? Number zero, who's his all-time favorite player? Not his dad, it's Russell Westbrook. So, clearly, he is carving a path straight down I-35 to the Paycom Center to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder with Bronny down the road. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, look, if that happens, great. It'll be great for all of us sports talk radio hosts in the Oklahoma City market. Do I buy that it's going to happen? No, just because that's so far down the line that, like, we are – we can prognosticate all day on where Bronny ends up, but the end of the day it comes out of the lottery. And if Sam Presti really wants to get LeBron – in an OKC uniform, he's going to have to unload a large amount of those prized draft picks of his in order to move. Assuming, assuming the Thunder, uh, assuming the Thunder don't end up with a lottery pick in that particular draft, which I guess is out of the question because well, at this point they're going to be tanking for the next decade. Yeah, and uh, again, Bronny is uh, in the 2023 class, so he is a he's a senior then, right? Yeah, that makes him a senior, correct? Um, Rising senior. Yes, right. So, so uh, it would be down the road. Look, I I think there's maybe a five percent chance of that happening. Uh, this is wishful thinking here. I mean, LeBron is going to be, you know, he's he's already way up there. He's still an excellent player, obviously. But think about what he's got out in L.A. too. His production company, Braun. I mean, how many times do you see that logo before? a movie you go see now or even one that you see on Netflix or somewhere he's doing very well in the entertainment industry there's no doubt yeah and if you honestly if you're a Thunder fan and you're getting excited about the prospect of one year of a 40 year old LeBron James Mm -hmm. and his son I don't know what to tell you because even if that comes to fruition you're not winning a championship I can promise you that if the stars align just so and you get one year of LeBron, who is going to be 39 or 40 at that point, and you get Bronny as well, that's still not even close to good enough to put you in championship contention. You're I don't know. Pieces. Bron, Bronny, SGA, Josh Giddy, and then uh, we'll probably end up getting Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren, right? Yeah, you might be a 40 win Then team. maybe you win a championship. No, I... Actually, I'm being totally facetious. I don't think that's going to happen. But it was interesting. Um, I don't know. Maybe it could happen. Maybe it could happen. How would you feel about that? LeBron and Bronny in Oklahoma City for like one year. I think what says the most about Bronny is the fact that his favorite player of all time is Russell Westbrook. Seriously? 
you grew up with the greatest basketball player of all time in the next bedroom over, mm-hmm. and your idol is Russell freaking Westbrook? I guess if you're a kid, you can't really come out and say, I guess you could, but it is a little bit unusual. So, anyway. I, I just thought it was interesting, again, how he shifted that uh, question about Josh Giddy all the way to Sam Presti. It was interesting. Yeah. I'll say that much. Like that, that makes you cock your head to the side and go, ah, well, well now. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They'll do a great job for you. I can vouch from personal experience. We've had a couple of issues, heating and air issues, and they have fixed them for us at a very fair price, and they did it very quickly. That's Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, sponsoring our first hour here on Steelman and Thune at noon on the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. All right, let's come back. We'll talk a little more Oklahoma football and, uh, again, some Sooner basketball. Uh, Oklahoma Tech tomorrow night and the continued dominance of the OU women's softball team. Patty Gasso, her team is like Godzilla trampling Tokyo right now. I mean, even UCLA had no shot. Coming right back. Stay here.
All right, welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on a Monday. Hope your Monday's going well. The weather's going to get a lot colder. Very early Wednesday morning, possible ice storm coming in. Not good. I cannot. Uh, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday golf weather just has not been there. Just hasn't been there. I, I like to play early. Me and my, uh, my buds uh, like to play early. And it's just been too windy, too cold. Too windy, too cold, and this weekend it looks like it's the same forecast. All right, what is the forecast over at Riverwind Casino? It is winning every day. It is all about winning and giving your chance a better opportunity to win at Riverwind because they do that all the time with these great promotions. The $80,000 River of Romance giveaway. We have another Friday drawing, the final one of this great promotion coming up this Friday night. How can you get some extra entries into the drawing on Friday? You can do it by playing with your wild card today and tomorrow through midnight uh, for one entry for every five points in your wild card. Again, five times the entries uh, today and tomorrow through midnight. Then be there on Friday night when they have the drawing from 6 to 1130. They will award a bunch of cash and bonus play. 33 names will be called out between that time period, 6 and 1130. And then two additional grand prize winners also drawn out just before midnight. You're going to win a bunch of cash, a bunch of bonus play, and you'll give yourself a better opportunity to get it done if you can get out there and get the extra entries today and through tomorrow at midnight over at Riverwind Casino. They are awesome. They sponsor my uh, streaming show as well. I love those guys over there. They do a great job. Super pro, super service, super uh, entertainment, super promotions. Great hotel, Riverwind Hotel and Casino. Simply the best. Okay, uh, what do you think? I'm hearing, I'm reading uh, stuff on the NFL, of course, and uh, they're talking about potential quarterback changes and Cleveland, I think Baker Mayfield is going to get another year in Cleveland uh, unless, you know, they could swing a deal they really like for a Russell Wilson, um, maybe a Matt Ryan, maybe a Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, anybody taking on Deshaun Watson is going to have to deal with a PR mess, first of all. But uh, I keep hearing maybe Russell Wilson, potentially, if it's not Baker Mayfield. I also saw a story that I thought, eh, I don't think that's going to happen, Matt Ryan. But I think Baker's going to get another year to try and come back. Relatively a, you know, kind of a a cheap salary for a quarterback. uh, Just under $19 million, I think, for Baker next year. So, we'll see. And they're going to have to determine whether or not, you know, if he can rehab that shoulder, Parker, that it was the shoulder more than anything else that, uh, you know, really – affected Baker Mayfield more than anything else last year I here's where I sit as I evaluate Baker's situation in Cleveland a lot of people are saying yeah well he's going to get another year which the Browns have said as much but you know you have to take it with a grain of salt when it comes from Mm -hmm. the organization right yeah here's where I stand on the matter I think a lot depends on what happens in this upcoming draft because if the Browns have a quarterback fall into their lap, like I don't think Cleveland is in a place where they're going to trade up to try and draft a quarterback. They've tried that before. It's never worked. But if they have a guy that their organization is confident in and he slides down the draft board and, like I said, just kind of falls into their lap, then I think, okay, well, with the situation you're in, It doesn't hurt you as an organization in Cleveland to take a flyer on that guy, bring him into camp, have him compete with Baker Mayfield, 
and then maybe you feel confident enough in him to roll him out in week one as your starter. Look, I don't think Baker Mayfield has done anything to lose. You're the saying like Kenny Pickett falls in yeah, the lap yeah, or sure. something. You know, if you're if your scouts really, really like Kenny Pickett and really like what he brings to the table and think he's got a long term future as an NFL quarterback, and he falls into your lap there at whatever pick. Do you take him and put him in an open competition with Baker Mayfield in training camp? Because to me, that's that's almost kind of like hedging your bets. Right, because at this point, if you move on from Baker Mayfield, what's next? Mm-hmm. There's no easy answer to that. And if you're going to move on from a guy like Baker Mayfield, as I have said time and time again, you better make pretty dang sure that whatever replacement you have in mind, whoever that may be, is going to be an upgrade over Baker. Because there's no guarantee you're going to be able to replicate or approximate the production that you've gotten from Baker Mayfield with XYZ quarterback that happens to be your next starter. See, and I I think uh, the way that draft scenario would have to play out is if they strike out. And we don't – look, they have to support Baker Mayfield now, whether it's, you know, the coach, the front office, you know, the GM, all of that – uh, you've got to support Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker's coming back. You know, we feel better. You know, the shoulder was the issue. They've got to do that until they find another quarterback. And who knows how active they may be in going after Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. If all those options fall through, and they may not be considering those options, I think they'd have to listen. If you get a call, hey, man, we'd love to trade. Uh, Russell Wilson to you, here's what we need. If they get a deal they like, they pull the trigger on that. Because I still think the Browns feel like they have a Super Bowl roster. But, you know, whether it was the injury or whatever, Baker had a horrible year. And I think the injury was part of it. I don't think it was all of it. I do think he completely lost confidence. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And we'll see if he can bounce back. Just when you count Baker Mayfield out, you never know what's going to happen. But I think it would probably be the more – if Baker is not there next year, I really think it would be a veteran guy, you know, a veteran guy they bring in. Maybe even Kirk Cousins, which would be crazy. But um, we'll see. I, I, and, again, I don't view that as an upgrade if you're replacing Baker Mayfield with Kirk Cousins. To me, that's just status quo changing to slightly peripherally different status quo. Yeah. And yeah. so, to me, if you're going to move on from Baker, it has to be a guy like Russell Wilson. It has to be. And if it's not going to be a guy like Russell Wilson, then you draft a quarterback with an early to mid-round selection here over the next couple of years, and like I was saying earlier, you essentially hedge your bets going forward, where if Mayfield pans out in 2022 and he explodes and he gives you confidence that he can be the guy in the long term, great. But if not, you have somebody that you're grooming to take that role from him whenever the time comes where you decide, okay, you know what, I think we're going to move on from Baker Mayfield. It's going to be interesting, and now you have this interesting situation with Kyler, too, in Arizona. I, I'm, you know, I, we didn't expect Kyler that kind to of the drama. Browns? Well, question I, mark? <laughs> yeah, I bet they swap quarterbacks. <laughs> Baker goes back to Cliff Kingsbury, and uh, Kyler goes to play in Cleveland. It, it's been very interesting. Sooner quarterbacks in the NFL, man, it's been strange. Uh, you know, whether it's Jason White's health prevented him from playing in the NFL, Sam Bradford, offensive line, he could still sling it. Kyler's been really good most of the time but this has been very bizarre and Baker's been on a complete roller coaster and that roller coaster went way down this year all right another hour to go keep it here on the ref
Oh, yeah. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle from the uh, folks at Seth Wadley and the uh, Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72. Oil changes, engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. I'm still uh, I'm still dealing with this stupid sinus stuff. I don't know what it is, man. This it's It's like a Martin Scorsese film. It just won't end. It just won't. It, this is a uh, a long, hard process. Uh, I don't feel horrible, but it's just lingering. It's it's like okay, go away. Just when I think I'm out, it pulls me back in. Godfather, it goes Godfather three on me. It's very annoying. So hopefully you can put up with this. You got maybe it always sounds worse in your own head, but it really is annoying. I can just tell you. That. You know what I love, Mike. Is that our show's intro is Nirvana, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there this afternoon in your Nirvana Nevermind t-shirt. Ah, there you go. Yes, it's a sauna bath in here again. I had to take the master's uh, quarter zip off, and I, I'm representing Cobain. And How company. many master's quarter zips do you have in your wardrobe? Oh, gosh. Uh, 15, probably. Oh, boy. And that doesn't count the other, just the regular shirts, which I probably have, I don't know, 15 or so of those. So, yeah. Not too far away, about six weeks. By the way, the Saudi golf tour took a big hit this weekend. Greg Norman, give it up, man. Give it up. Nobody likes you anyway, all right? I mean, you blew that big six-shot lead at Augusta. DJ this weekend and Bryson DeChambeau shut shut it down. They're not going to be playing on the uh, Super Golf Tour, the Saudi Golf Tour. So, I'm not saying it's going to completely wither away, but... Uh, you know, who's left to join that league now? I will join the league. You will? I volunteer as tribute. I mean, if they offer me $5 million a year, uh, you know, I can only drive it about 180 yards now, if that, because I'm so old. But I do have an excellent short game, and I can putt pretty well. But uh, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll go for a couple mil. Well, I, I, I was thinking I'll, I'll clear a couple mil and then take it down from the inside for you, Mike. There so. you go. There you go. So, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, big news. Joaquin Neiman winning at Genesis uh, at Riviera yesterday. Victor Hovland, by the way, again, another nice finish for the uh, third-ranked player in the world, tied for fourth. But Joaquin Neiman, the winner at 19 under par. We begin the Florida swing at the Honda Classic this week. And uh, that means we are six weeks away from Augusta. But, yeah, both uh, Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau saying no to the uh, Saudi golf tour over the weekend. And Phil's Phil's, uh, reputation has taken a hit with this. Now, look, Phil's popular enough that he'll recover eventually. He's also rich enough that he'll never have to recover. No, but I'm I'm talking about as Phil as, you know, I think people are like, Phil, dude, you look horrible here. Even You know, he's got his own – Rory slammed him. Justin Thomas slammed, and a lot of people coming after Phil. Uh, but you know, and this is after Phil won the PGA last year, man, which was a shock to everybody the way he did that. But we'll see. And don't forget, man, we've got uh, major at Southern Hills, not too far away in May. PGA at Southern Hills, that'll be fun. Okay, uh, want to ask you guys on the Air Comfort Solutions text line here on this Monday. Breakout Sooner player for next fall. You can give us a couple if you want. Here's the deal, though. You cannot say Dylan Gabriel. That's too easy. Way too easy. So, breakout player other than Dylan Gabriel. 
You want to start us off? I will be happy to start. And look, I can promise you folks I'm not lying about this one. And there are some of you out there that may think I'm really smart. There are some people out there who may think I'm really dumb. But this time last year, Mike, I was bullish on Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. And I was saying adamantly, Caleb Williams is going to be Oklahoma's starting quarterback by the end of the season, if not at the beginning. And lo and behold... And there are a lot happened. of people who thought, what? Really? Rattler, yeah, got, the Heisman got, got favorite? A, yeah, I got a lot of quizzical looks for that one. But here, I'm just saying, as bullish as I was on Caleb Williams a year ago, that's how bullish I am on Ethan Downs hmm. in the year 2022. Okay. Ethan Downs is going to be a star at the University of Oklahoma, and I think you're going to start to see the first inklings of stardom from Ethan Downs this season. I think in 2022 – I think when we get to the end of the season, we take a look back on who made the biggest productive jump one year to the next. It's going to be hard to deny Ethan Downs in that conversation. I'm not saying there aren't others that might take a similar leap. I think Marcus Stripling has a ton of potential. Okay. Uh, I think you know you could definitely see a guy like Jaron Kanak find his way onto the field okay. and earn big time snaps. But to me. Ethan Downs has as high a ceiling as anybody at any position on the Oklahoma defense. And what you will see in 22 is that dude making big-time plays off the edge every single week. Okay, uh, you left one of your boys off the list, though. Or maybe you're waiting for me. I've got some names. But I, I thought you were going to go Danny Stutzman. Well, I, I, I love Stutzman. I don't think it's a secret that most everybody expects Danny Stutzman to inherit a full-time starting role who's and the, be a stud. Who's but, the bigger impact guy next year, Kanak or Stutzman? Oh, I think it's Stutzman. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I think I think you'll start to see Kanak break into the lineup on a regular basis, kind of like Stutzman did this past year where he starts the season really hot in those non-conference games that are laughers and all the true freshmen are seeing significant minutes by the third quarter. But – I, I would be surprised if Jaron Kanak doesn't play a lot of snaps for Oklahoma in 2022. I just think for as much as he's going to be on the field, Stutzman probably has the bigger impact than Kanak. I, I didn't say Stutzman just because it's so blatantly obvious to anybody that has watched that guy play and anybody that is looking ahead to the year 2022 for the Sooners that Stutzman is going to be a full-time starter and he's going to be in contention for all Big 12 honors. I don't think that's a secret. But I think we get so caught up in the Stutzman hype that we ignore the other half of the Captain America and Winter Soldier duo in Ethan Downs, a guy that I think could be every bit as impactful for this Oklahoma defense. It's interesting because I had a bunch of names written down here that I think could break through. you got Kanak, you got Stutzman, you got Downs. I didn't have Marcus Stripling. I probably should have had Marcus Stripling on that list. Um, and you can't say Dylan Gabriel. Here, here are a couple that you may think are strange. Okay. Because they've been around for a while. Okay. But I think they both have a great chance of breaking through and having great years. One is Theo Weiss. I like that. I and, like that a lot. And the other one I don't know if you're going to like as much. Okay. Marcus Major. I, I, it's not that I don't like I disagree with you on okay. that. But I – Listen, if Marcus Major breaks out, I think most of Sooner Nation would be overjoyed because they've been waiting for that dude to find his footing for four seasons. He's had moments here and there. He has had moments. And He's had some really encouraging moments. There, you know, there's not a lot of mileage on those tires either, and a lot depends on a guy like Javante Barnes. Is Javante Barnes or Gavin Sawchuck? Uh, Gavin Sawchuck won't be here for spring, obviously, right? But Barnes is. 
So he'll be a little bit ahead of the game by the time Sawchuck arrives. And it depends on both those guys are highly recruited, big-time recruits. Yeah, well. But Marcus Major, uh, um, I don't know, man. I just got a feeling. But And Theo Weiss, I think, is a guy that, you know, of, of that class of all those great three receivers, he's the last one standing. And I know there's a lot of attention on Marvin Mims, but Theo Weiss is a really good player. When he can stay healthy, I'm just I'm about at the point with Marcus Major that I was with Justin Broyles last year, which is at this point I got to see it to believe it. And to Justin Broyles' credit, he had a really strong second half in the 2021 season, and I actually like him to potentially be a starter for this team come 2022 in his sixth season as a Sooner. But to me, I I've said it before, I'll say it again: if Eric Gray is not starting at running back for Oklahoma in the year 2022. I expect it to be Javante Barnes. And I am really, really high on Barnes. Okay, there's another guy. This this guy is not a breakthrough guy at all. He's not a breakthrough guy, but he's, I think, kind of been forgotten a little bit. And he could be the most decorated player on Oklahoma's team next year. And we're not talking about him a lot. Talking about Jalen Redmond. What do you think? I'm not saying he's been totally forgotten, but he's kind of the last, uh, a little bit the last man standing from that D line group, right? With Benito moving on and with Perion Winfrey and Isaiah Isaiah Thomas moving on. And he's had, you know, medical issues. He's had injury issues. But when he's been healthy, he's been really good. He has been. And I think it's so easy to forget how good Jalen Redmond once was because it feels like it's been so long. Right? When Jalen Redmond led the Sooners in sacks, COVID wasn't a thing yet. 2019 right. season yeah. when he was a redshirt freshman, he had six and a half sacks, primarily from the defensive tackle position, Mike. And so, yes, Jalen Redmond's best football has been outstanding football. It's just not something he's been able to consistently do ever since then. And obviously he sat out the 2020 season due to the concerns about his past with blood clots and COVID-19's impact on that and uh, missed a large portion of the 2021 season with injury. But the last time Jalen Redmond played a full season of football 100% healthy, that dude was a problem. And he was a redshirt freshman at that point. And so if he is half the player he was in 2019, then – I, he he basically was half the player he was in 2019 last year for Oklahoma, and he had a big impact. If he can res, if he can uh, replicate the type of production that he had in 2019 for Oklahoma in 2022, yeah, that's a guy that could be an All Big 12 player because if he is playing well on the interior, it's going to make Ethan Downs' job all the easier. It's going to make things all the easier for Marcus Stripling, Clayton Smith, those types of guys coming off the edge. And so, Clayton Smith's another guy that we don't talk about enough yeah, because potentially that dude looks awesome. Yeah, folks don't realize how integral it is to have a dominant defensive tackle and how much a dominant defensive tackle can help the rest of the defense and make their jobs all that much easier. Another guy that is getting mentioned a lot right now on the Air Comfort Solutions text line is another guy that I think could be the breakout star of the offense. Shouldn't come as a huge surprise. Jalil Farouk. He uh, he had an excellent Animal Bowl, and uh, I think it's really cool that he's sticking around. I love that. So, yeah, that's a good call. Here's one of the name I had on my list, Key Lawrence. 
Yeah, I don't. I, well, at this point, I don't even know if I would classify that as a breakout. Yeah, just I because mean, he played a lot at Tennessee as a freshman. He had a great year last year. Played corner, played nickel, played safety. So, Key Lawrence, I feel, is one of those guys that you expect to be good next. I'm year. talking about like all league kind of guy. Maybe you know Key Lawrence. I like his versatility. Uh, as you talked about, he can play both positions, and I thought he was pretty effective uh, last year doing both. And obviously, you cannot answer Dylan Gabriel. We have any other uh, names on the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line? Uh, Clayton Smith getting mentioned. Mm-hmm. Andrew Rame, Andrew, Billy yeah. Bowman, Billy Bowman, my man uh, Mark here. Uh, you know, down the hall here uh, at the ref, he he came in and he wanted me to add Billy Bowman to the list. <laughs> uh, Braden Willis gets a mention on the Air Comfort Solution text line. Here's what I'll say about that situation: I really do expect that Braden Willis is going to get pushed by Caden Helms. I think Caden Helms. I don't know if he supplants Braden mm-hmm. Willis. I think that's going to take a lot from yeah. a true freshman up against a fifth-year senior. But I do think Caden Helms is the type of guy that's going to work himself into some sort of significant role for Oklahoma by the end of the season. Well, and we hear that uh, Jerry Schmidt has already added like 10 pounds to his frame. Mm-hmm. Mm, there you go. Yeah, Sh- and also, I I mean, I've been told from people very close to that whole situation that Caden Helms looks significantly faster and more agile than any of the other tight ends in the room. And again, athleticism isn't everything, particularly at the tight end position. But if he can learn the playbook and the mental side of his game can catch up to the physical, then I think that's a guy that's going to push Braden Willis and potentially steal some snaps from him down the stretch. Yeah, well, uh, they're not afraid to play. So, you know, H-back Jeremiah Hall, obviously Braden Willis. Uh, Austin Stogner was never quite the same after his medical situation, and we'll see. I hope he does well, um, you know, uh, where he is at South Carolina. So we'll see. We shall see. All right, thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle and a great guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Coming right back, have some interesting uh, tweets and texts rolling in, too. We'll get to those when we return here on The Ref.
Okay, we're back. Good to have you with us here on a Monday. Uh, so, Parker, you got a complete R&R this weekend? Well, not entirely, but a little bit more than usual, yes. So, and it's back back on the road again, like uh, REO Speedwagon this weekend? Well, that's a really old reference, but uh, that's one of the few songs. I was, I was expecting Kevin, the Willie Nelson reference. Well, but. yes, the Willie Nelson reference, but uh, back on the road again, uh, that was um, – Back on the road again was REO, right? One of the few songs that Kevin Cronin didn't sing the lead on way back when. The fact that you know this stuff, Mike. Well, like I said, ask me something from two weeks ago and I'll have no clue. But uh, 70s or 80s, I got this. Uh, that's kind of the way it happens when you get older. Okay, off the uh, text line from Ronnie Steelman, you for- forgot to mention Elvis Peacock as a former Sooner from Miami. No, Ronnie, that was the first name I mentioned, actually. I think you must have jumped in right after I mentioned Elvis Peacock because there's no way I would forget Elvis Peacock. No way. Coolest name in OU history, Miami, Florida. I mentioned because you were talking about uh, the kid from Miami that OU's offered, uh, Ruben Hurricane Bain, right? That is correct. Uh, and we were talking about players from the Miami area, recent players you talked about from the Miami area for Oklahoma, including Nick Benito. Um, but... I was reaching back to, like, the Switzer days, and I remember Elvis Peacock, obviously, war number four, way back in the day for the Sooners. Uh, Freddie Nixon was from the Miami area. Mike Riley, the linebacker, back in, like, the 82-83 season. I think the 80, probably the 82 season would be my guess for Mike Riley. Maybe in his last year, he was from Miami. So the Sooners have had, uh, they've had a run down there. Uh, so yes, Ronnie, yes, Elvis Peacock was actually the first name I mentioned. And Elvis Peacock, uh, who do you play for? The Rams and some other teams in the NFL. It's, it's going to be hard for anybody to come up with a cooler sounding name than that in OU history. Yeah, it takes the cake. It's pretty good. Elvis Peacock. Pretty, pretty good. All right, uh, you want to go back to the text line, uh, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, always available to you, and we'll get to as many texts as we can each and every day. Uh, text line says Torrance Marshall. Torrance Marshall, yes, good call. Now, that wasn't back during the Switzer era, but Torrance Marshall, yes, absolutely, man. That guy forever uh, engraved his name upon uh, Sooner Lore, particularly with his uh, – Message to Chris Winky at the coin flip in the Orange Bowl. You stole my boy's Heisman. We're coming to get it back. Ante Jones. Ante Jones, yes, during the uh, – that was during uh, the uh, – well, gosh, he played really late for Blake, and then he played – he played a year for Stoops, obviously, and got a ring. All right. Yeah, Ante Jones was, uh, was a good player. Yeah, good calls there also. Like I said, I was reaching back more to uh, the Switzer era Miami guys. But, yeah, the Sooners have been able to get some out of there. There's no doubt. Where was Chichoke Onyanagetcha from? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> that is a name I have not heard in a long, long time. That was uh, when I when I was. Good luck spelling that if you're going to Google it, by the way. You could probably do it, though. Oh, I, no, I can spell it. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's impressive right there. Yeah, well, his name is like indelibly seared into my mind because mm-hmm. that was those were my formative years watching OU football, right? And so some of the earliest memories I have watching OU football, the dude with the big long name playing cornerback, like it's one of those things you never forget. Yeah, Chijoke Onyenegetcha. What a great name for a defensive player, too. The last name is really good. I thought I thought he was from California. Yes, he he's from El Sobrante, California. California. 
mule shoe country. So now does everybody that came from the state of California, we have to disown them? Uh, yes, pretty much. Even Joe Mixon? Uh, nah, he's I. Joe Mixon uh, has turned out to be a good dude after all. Made a horrible mistake, but... Anybody, well, he's still associated in a roundabout way with Mule Shoe. Even again, Mule Shoe, I'm not even going to, just angers me just thinking about it now. Okay. Uh, okay, uh, back to the text line. Buster Rhymes? The man with luster. I forgot about Buster Rhymes. Yes. How could I forget about Buster Rhymes? Who was Buster Rhymes before Buster Rhymes came around? George Buster Rhymes. Oh, my. Now I feel bad. I, how did I not remember that name? We also got uh, Reggie Kinlaw. Reggie Kinlaw. Excellent call. Reggie Kinlaw recovered the fumble. Played for the Raiders for a number of years, I believe. Reggie Kinlaw is a kind of a forgotten player during it, it well not forgotten but in the ohio state game we talk about you know the flea flicker play and we talk about the uh, von shaman field goal it was reggie kinlaw who recovered a huge fumble for oklahoma or the von foots field goal from a man uve von shaman would have never happened so reggie kinlaw was huge in that game and a really good player good call text line you guys are killing it davin joseph Outstanding offensive yes. guard in the early Stoops days. That's true. Yeah, there's another one. Ahmad Thomas. Okay, yep. I like those who are going back, and uh, I can't believe I forgot um, Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes, I think, wore number four, too. I think probably as a tribute to Elvis Peacock would be my guess. And allegedly uh, may have fired an Uzi off the top of the uh, Wilkinson house. I'm sorry, what? That's the legend. That Buster George Buster Rhymes may have fired an Uzi off the top of the uh, the old athletic dorm. This is a legend I have I have never heard of. I don't know that it's no ever been documented, but that's the legend that went around for a while. Interesting. Okay, uh, that's that's all the suggestions we have on the text line thus far of Florida guys that uh, you missed. Generally, you're pretty good at uh, mentally cleaning house and yeah pulling every single one of those names out of your brain but the uh, the text line was able to fill the gaps yeah kinlaw and uh buster rhymes were uh, good calls and i should have been able to remember both of those guys but like i said reggie kinlaw is kind of a um you know maybe a name that we should remember more he had a pretty productive i'm guessing reggie kinlaw played five maybe more years in the nfl i'm gonna go ahead and google him up i believe he won a championship with the raiders if i'm not mistaken let me see. We got a jokester on the Air Comfort Solutions text line who says, Steve and Tinker Owens were from Miami. Miami. That's right. Miami. Another listener says, Can't disown Cali boys. Our man Caleb Kelly is out of Cali and the real Superman, Roy Williams. It's a valid point. We gotta we gotta there cool go. we gotta cool the Cali hate, Steely. No, I know. I'm I just I I'm trying to get over the mule shoe stuff, but I can't. All right, so Reggie Kinlaw, seven Super Bowl winner in 80 and 83, Reggie Kinlaw. And considered to be the unsung hero of those defenses, which featured uh, the Stork, Ted Hendricks, Rod Martin, Matt Millen, and later Howie Long, Lyle Alzado. Uh, So Reggie Kinlaw, again, seven 
years in the NFL, 79 through 86. You know what impresses me about Howie Long? That dude just doesn't age. I know. He doesn't really, does he? He looks like he looks like he hasn't aged in 15 years. He has always looked the exact same. He's not bad at his job. He's not my favorite, I, but he's not bad. No, he's actually pretty good. I got to find out now how old he is. Because Howie Long, didn't he play football at like Villanova? It was Villanova, yes. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I guess you get some really great players who go on to the Hall of Fame that come from smaller schools, obviously, like uh, Walter Payton, Jackson State. I mean, Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley State, a lot of really good ones. But, yeah, Howie Long played at a basketball school, Villanova, back in the day. He is 62 years old. Man, he looks good for 62. Like, this, I'm approaching 62, and I'm aging in dog years right now, and he's aging in real years. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not very healthy. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we want to thank you again. You can always send your text to us at the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line, uh, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Take a break right here. We'll talk about the dominance of the OU women's softball team. Patty Gasso's had a lot of great teams. This one could be her best. They are absolutely crushing people. Like I said, this is Godzilla trampling Tokyo. I don't know, you know, look, it's going to get tougher when they get to uh, the conference and the regionals and eventually to the Women's College World Series. But this team, man, they do everything very well. We'll talk about that and more when we get back. Keep it here.
And that's what the Sooner women's softball team has been doing. Uh, Jocelyn Allo, what did she hit? Four home runs Saturday? Yes, four home and runs. And then uh, the record-tying home run, number 95, Sunday morning to uh, tie former Sooner great Lauren Chamberlain. And Jocelyn Allo is going to end up smashing at that record. And, uh, man, Patty Gasso, she is the queen of – would you say that OU women's softball is the second most popular sport on campus? Yeah, I probably would, actually. <laughs> I mean, no shot. I mean, Sooner basketball when it's going great, but I don't know, man. Uh, Patty's getting that new facility and everything. What do you think if uh, they would drop her game if they had like a five, eight? I, I don't know what the capacity for the new uh, stadium is going to be. But they've been turning people away, and the lines have been there. Legit. You can't buy an OU softball ticket these days. I mean, and uh, so, again, we have said that Patty Gasso um, probably deserves the biggest statue of all until we get the Colossus of Stoops done. Uh, That will, again, be, uh, you know, Bob will be, the Colossus of Stoops will be on either entrance to I-35. Maybe we need the Colossus of of Switzer and the Colossus of Stoops. One uh, as you come into I-35 from the uh, north and one from the south into Norman. But Patty Gasso, man, unbelievable. And look, I mean, we knew they were the favorite to win the national championship, but 95-2, to the two runs they've given up are both, you know, not earned runs. The pitching staff, they've got a three-headed monster now with you got Jordy Bald in the mix as well. She's been unbelievable. And, uh, you know, what's their weakness? There is none. There is none. I mean, There is none. There is no weakness. Patty said up the middle this might be her best defensive team when you consider what they have. I mean, unbelievable. They've got th- uh, three pitchers they can use. And, uh, you know, you think about uh, – Last year, you know, they had Nicole May and they had G and they had uh, – who was the other – gosh, I'm forgetting the other one's name. I feel really stupid now. But um, – so, again, but now you're looking at – Nicole May's been unbelievable and uh, Jordy Ball, of course, everybody expected her to be tremendous and she's been great so far. But they've got a three-headed monster there they can go with again. Um, and if you they have, crush like, the ball. It, it, in the sport of softball, if you have three dominant pitchers – to pair with the batting lineup that Oklahoma can roll out, I, I don't know if they will lose a game this year. I know I said it before. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was last week that I mentioned it. I'm not convinced Oklahoma will lose a game. I think there's a very good chance they roll through the Women's College World Series completely undefeated. Because to me, the, the offense is impressive enough, right? The fact that they win these games primarily by run rule is remarkable in its own right. But when you pair that with a trio of dominant pitchers, how do you beat a team like this? Because you will, like in the sport of softball, Mike, you only really need two dominant pitchers. Mm -hmm. If you can go back and forth between two really solid arms, you're going to be a tough team to beat. When you got three, the Sooners are invincible at this point. I don't foresee them losing a game. Yes, when you have uh, Jordy Hope and uh, Nicole Nicole May, who's been great too, uh, you know, they're, they're just, like I said, 
Uh, will they lose a game? They'll probably lose a game or two. I'm right? not convinced. Now, here's the deal. You've got the Bedlam Series. Uh, Kenny Gajewski and company, he's built a great program in Stillwater, too, but they're coming to Norman. Um, so are you willing go, to go on the record right now and say these Sooner women, are you talking about up until, like, the tournament? No, all the way through the tournament. I want to know. You're talking where, about an undefeated season. Yes, completely undefeated. Where hmm. can I get? Where can I place a bet on that? Because I will put money on the table right now. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. <sighs> I don't know. I uh, I'm going to say they lose. Um, man, you asked me for the year. Whew. You're saying undefeated. Obviously, winning the national because they championship. lost. They lost what four games last year? They lost four games. I'm going to go two. It's just so hard to go undefeated, you know. But uh, could they do it? Absolutely, they could do it. And like I said, I don't think there's a weakness on the team. There's, there's not. There's well, there's not. And like uh, last year's team had weaknesses. That's the thing is that last year's program had conspicuous weaknesses. They still only lost four games and won the women's college world series. This team has none. They will not lose. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Parker Thune says the Sooners will win the national championship and go undefeated. Would it shock me? No, it wouldn't shock me. But I still think that's very difficult to pull off, uh, you know, um, when you consider what the – you know, like the UCLA game. What was the UCLA game? What was the final? They won by, what, three runs, something like that, uh, in, the, uh, in that tournament. And they've got the Mary Nutter Classic coming up. Shannon Sale, that was the other pitcher last year. Shannon Sale, yes, my apologies. Uh, Like I said, short-term memory right there. That's where I am uh, very, very inconsistent. But um, And where did Hope uh, Troutwain come from? Was it North Texas? North Texas, transfer. North Texas. So um, they just got – they've got everything, man. They've got everything. Okay, uh, so the Souter women again in the uh, this weekend. I think uh, Plank was talking about them leaving uh, early uh, because of the weather, and that's usually a pretty good field out there. So we'll see. But so far, OU is ten and zero. They've outscored their opposition ninety five to two. They're hitting home runs. Uh, you know, perfect games, everything. So, um, and we expected this team was going to be the best team in college softball, probably win the national championship. But, man, even early in the season, they have been just outstanding. So, I wonder if uh, the text line would agree that OU women's softball is the number two sport right now on campus at the University of Oklahoma. What do you think? It's, I mean, look, basketball's big, obviously. Baseball, you throw wrestling, everything out there. Gymnastics is huge. I mean, you think about the job that they've done. Unbelievable. You know, Arguably the best uh, program in the country right now. There's something about women's softball. What is it about women's softball? Obviously winning winning. is the main thing. But there's something about that. um, I would much rather sit and watch like an OU women's softball game than I would, say, a NBA regular season game or even a major league baseball game. Oh, gosh, I don't know if you could pay me to watch an NBA regular season game. Well, and the thing is, most of the games, unless you go extra innings, they move fairly quickly. There's a lot of excitement. Even a you know pitcher's duel can be pretty good. I love the spirit. It seems like, to me, like one of the last few sports we have out there where it kind of has almost like a little league feel to it to a certain well, extent I, with the I, chance I was and say, everything. Well, and I was going to say, too, it's kind of got like a pinball vibe, doesn't it? Because – 
it's baseball but scaled down. Mm-hmm. You know, the base paths are so short, the fences are so close in. Everything feels like it happens so much faster. Yes. And that's one of the issues with baseball right now. It has been for a while is linked to the games. And look, I understand the purists out there. They don't want to change anything. But people's attention spans are shorter than they've ever been. Ever. And it's not going in the other direction. Believe me, it's going to get worse. We live in a TikTok era, right? Give me a 20-second video or something. That's, I mean, look, I'm, I'm guilty too. I'm the dude, if I'm watching a game or something like I was watching OU on ESPN Plus, you know, this weekend, uh, but I had to bring out my other phone uh, to keep track of stuff on Twitter and everything because I didn't turn my other one in. It's not like a burner or anything like that, as far as you know. But, uh, I, you know, it's, it's just hard. And if, let's say, my wife and I are watching a uh, – like we were watching, uh, if you know, sporting event I didn't have to watch uh, wasn't on, or uh, you know, then we were watching Inventing Anna that series last week, which is really good, by the way, on Netflix. But what are you doing? Half the time you're watching, you're still checking your phone. Something's happening. Something's happening. I've got to keep looking at this phone. It's ridiculous, and I am just as guilty. I need, you know, one night just put that phone down. You think I'm messing with you? I am not messing with you. Your name Levine? You call yourself a salesman? You, I don't know. Um, and baseball just doesn't lend itself to that, right? I mean, how many people you think still go out with, like, the scorebook to a game? Or if they use the scorebook in the program? Are there even programs anymore? I don't know. Uh, scoring scoring is very old school. It if is. you know how to score a baseball game, I respect you. I am a longtime baseball player, mm-hmm. so I I know how to score, and I have a special place in my heart for the antiquity of the game. And I don't mind it being slow, but I understand many people do. I don't fault those people for their opinion. I get it. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, for me, baseball is one of those sports, again, best enjoyed at the ballpark uh, to me. Yes, you can soak in the atmosphere, the food, all of that. That's, uh, I think, baseball and hockey, in my opinion, are the two that stand out to me that I think are better. For instance, look, I love going to Augusta. Been lucky enough to go there nine times. Uh, And, you know, Augusta's on a different scale than, like, another, if you go to Southern Hills or something. But other than that, uh, on a regular PGA Tour stop, I'd much rather be watching at home because you can follow the action so much better. Um, but again, to me, the, the two sports that stand out the most are baseball and hockey, I think, that are best enjoyed on, at the arena or uh, at the ballpark. All right, we'll break right here. Good to have you with us. Thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Paul's Valley, exit 72, great deal on a vehicle. From our friends down there, and don't forget about the uh, incredible guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Ah, little Boston. I wore this out on 8-track. Yep, I'm that old. Stay with us. Coming back, one more segment next.
Oh, uh, yeah. Is that like a uh, top 20 riff of all time? Would, it, would you go top 50 maybe on that? Ooh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of competition. There, It's a pretty T- good one, though. Top 50? Sure. You almost know, you know instantly who that is in the song, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I, I would say at least, I would put it in the top 50. I just saw we got Julia Chu over at State Farm, who uh, is a Sooner football fanatic, well, Sooner sports fanatic, and uh, back in the day, interned in this very building as a, uh, a Theta at OU back in the day and uh, was a huge Sooner fan back then. Like I said, she was on our radio crew uh, helping us out for a couple broadcasts, and I remember the night before the Nebraska-Oklahoma game in that 85 season, I said I had a bad feeling about it. I may be picking Nebraska, and she basically said, you're not smart. You should pick Oklahoma. The Sooners going to win. They've got this. And guess what? She was right, and I was wrong. That's why she's sitting in a very nice office in a nice building right now, doing very well, and I'm still, you know, can't get over the fact that Muleshoe left. My brain is inferior is what I'm saying. And I still can't. I still can't do it. By the way, Baxter Boy on uh, Twitter said, uh, I would like to get your assessment, uh, Dr. Steelman and Parker, on uh, the difference between the quality of men Brent versus Lincoln. Well, first of all, you can't say Lincoln. But uh, my initial diagnosis would be that, you know where Brent Venables keeps talking about? He wants uh, his interactions with players and people in the program to be relational and not transactional. You've heard that a lot, right? You've heard Brent say that, correct, Parker? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mule Shoe's a transactional guy. He's younger. He's from the me generation. He's, uh, I believe, in my opinion, he is a uh, uh, more of an egomaniac. You've got to have some confidence. But I believe that Lincoln is, or Muleshoe is one of those guys who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and he's going to answer every question, you know, where he thinks that he's fooling people when he's actually not. And uh, Brent seems like a uh, more of a we guy. Muleshoe seems more of a me guy. So my diagnosis is right here. Final chart. Brent Venables, good guy, mule shoe, sack of feces. And that's my diagnosis right there. Maybe not that severe, but, you know. Where are you on the cycle of grief? Anger. It's stuck. The cycle is not spinning right now. The wheel of emotions is completely stuck again on uh, anger. And I know it's petty. I know it's stupid. I know it's only hurting me. I just can't help it. I still see a tweet, and I get angry. Anything. USC wins a basketball game. I get angry. USC wins anything. I get angry. Evan Mobley hits a half-court shot in the All-Star game. Where is he from? USC. I get angry. It's not healthy, kids. You need to learn to let go. If you can do it, maybe I can do it. I'm just saying. I, I I don't know what you're trying to say at this point, Mike. It's <laughs> I I don't either. I don't either. Uh, well, as as it once was said in the iconic children's movie Frozen, let it go. One day it'll be gone. I'm gonna wait, but I don't know what's I, gonna I, stick around longer. I, this this the sinus infection or the mule shoe anger. I'm counting on the mule shoe anger, Mike. You've been in phase one for three months now. I have. You know what it means is uh, 
You're officially old and crotchety. I, I think that's what it means. I think so. The crotchety adjective now applies. I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm trying to get over it. Okay, uh, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, what are we thinking about on a Monday at Riverwind? We're always thinking about the great dining options, the chance uh, to go out there and win a big jackpot, and the chance today to go out and get yourself some extra entries for the big Friday night drawing, the final drawing for the great February promotion, the River of Romance. The $80,000 River of Romance giveaway. You can do it. Get out there. Get a few points in your wild card. And, again, get five times the entries for the drawing on Friday night. And uh, they're giving away a ton of cash and bonus play, $80,000 again for the month. Go get your share, man. Go get your share. And while you're, you know, waiting to hear your name called, who knows, you could win another jackpot. You could have a great meal at Chips and Ales, tremendous pub restaurant. Or on Friday night, they have steak night at the River Buffet. That's always really good. Uh, Tons of dining options. Riverwind, you know what they do. Best promotions, best bars and restaurants. Uh, best concerts. We get those back. The Beats and Bites Festival won't be too far away. Last year, we had Hall of Famers Cheap Trick. I'm hearing some big names coming this summer uh, out to Riverwind Casino. Uh, That's why Riverwind is simply the best. Okay. um, We missed anything today? College Football Playoff Committee, we talked about it Friday. Uh, Again, I think that is a complete response to the Moved by the SEC, but Oklahoma and Texas, everybody's still upset about it. I don't know why these people can't let their feelings go. Who would be stuck in anger after all? Oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, I I would be one of those guys, I'm sure, in the room. We're not going. No, we're staying at four. We're staying at four. All right, now, if Muleshoe gets to the playoff, then... Well, we know what happens if he gets to the well, playoffs. Well, that's though, true. Right? That's true. He gets at, at least that'll be cathartic for you to watch how that goes down. Like I said, I'm running on the field with Rice next year in the first game. I'm going to be a preferred walk on at Rice. Think they take me? Probably not. All right, we got Parker and Tyler up next.
All right, got some numbers to throw at you as we start off the show on a Monday. In the 2022 class, the 2022 recruiting class, 24-7 sports, had the state of Florida with six five-stars, 43 four-stars in the entire state. That's 49 high-profile football players in the state of Florida. How about 2021? 2021, nine five-stars were in the state of Florida. 46 four-stars were in the state. 55 high-level players coming out of the Sunshine State back in 2021. Why should you care about that? Why should you care one way or the other about how awesome Florida is as a recruiting straight? Of course, I already knew that Florida is one of the best, if not the best, when it comes to recruiting. You should be excited about that because all the offers that I continue to see coming out right now of Norman, Oklahoma, buddy, a lot of them are going to uh, schools and players in the state of Florida. Yes, OU is attacking that state like they have never attacked it before, and it's got me all jacked up today. Welcome to the SEC, Sooner fans. Wow. This is the new reality. This is the new normal. If I could handpick a state for OU to really get into moving forward in the recruiting game, I am picking the state of Florida of all the talent that comes out of there, and buddy, that's exactly what they're doing. Loud and clear. Britt Venables, Todd Bates, Miguel, Miguel Chavis, really everyone, they are all in the southeast right now. And uh, we've seen what another offer go out and another visit be scheduled, Parker. The number one overall running back in the 2023 class, Richard Young, he's going to be visiting on March 5th. And if if you're a high-level program out there, you have offered Richard Young. Uh, Bama has offered him. Clemson has offered him. Ohio State, Georgia, everyone in America has offered him. So here's another high-profile kid in the state of Florida that OU said, don't care. We're going to go try and get whoever we want to get, and maybe we'll see here soon. O- OU's able to get the number one running back. Yeah, OU's been recruiting Richard Young for quite a while. It's been over a year now since they offered him, and they've kept in touch with him. He's been to campus before. They've been after him. I'm I'm not holding my breath on Richard Young, at least not yet. Am I saying Oklahoma can't forge their way into this race in a serious fashion? No, but – at least for right now, peripherally, it doesn't seem like Oklahoma is going to be a huge contender for Richard Young. Again, though, the fact that he is visiting campus That's big, man. and interacting with That's this big. new staff, it's big, and it does lend some degree of optimism that maybe Oklahoma could turn the tide here. Let's not forget, OU had Reuben Owens all but locked down at this time last year. He was going to commit to Oklahoma. That was... A foregone conclusion, it was happening in the month of January, one thing led to another, Uh, the wheels kind of fell off the wagon, and OU not only stopped pursuing Reuben Owens fervently, they stopped pursuing him at all. So, as you look at the running back class in 2023, and what Oklahoma has on the table that they could bring in, you're obviously looking at Dylan Edwards, the kid out of Derby, Kansas, who is an absolute lightning rod. I've said it many a time. He's not being recruited as a pure running back by Oklahoma. Yeah. He's a slash weapon. He's your he's relate guy, Brown of what what he would have been. Here. Yes, he's your Tavon Austin uh, for those fans that are familiar with what the former West Virginia star did to the Sooners back in 2012. Oh, we all are. Um, I think Oklahoma's in a really good spot with Trey Wisner, the four-star running back out of Waco, Texas. I would expect him to be a Sooner. At a certain point. I also believe 
I also believe Eric McCarthy, like people, people are going to look at the 24-7 sports rankings and the list of commits, and they're going to say, oh, Eric McCarty. Eric McCarty's not going to play running back at OU. I can promise you that. He'll be playing the defensive yes, side of the ball. It sounds like he's been told that he's yeah. been playing. Either There was a relative, when that happened, there was a relative that was texting the show. And I guess anyone could be a relative on yeah, the text yeah. line, right? But I do believe this individual is like, hey, just trust me here, he's going to play defense. Well, yeah, y'all, okay. y'all in the state of Oklahoma, y'all are just all cousins anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Um but, no, Eric McCarty is going to play either safety or linebacker when all is said and done at Oklahoma. So, as of right now, OU doesn't have a running back committed. And even if they pick up that commitment from Dylan Edwards, which I think is a very legitimate possibility come March, they still won't have a running back committed in the technical sense because Dylan Edwards, like I said, slash weapon, not really a pure running back. Trey Wisner's going to be one, I'm pretty sure, just based on – all of the interactions that he and his family have had with DeMarco Murray, the things that his mother has said in the public eye about OU and the love that they've given Oklahoma on social media. Oklahoma is very clearly the leader in the clubhouse for Trey Wisner. Now the question becomes, who is the other guy going to be? Because Oklahoma is going to take two running backs. Yeah, e- even though they have two incoming freshmen this year, which you feel really good about both of those guys, they, yes, I-, I agree with you numbers-wise. That's, that's what they're going to take. And Richard Young is... I mean, he's the best back out there. Um, I I don't know what the likelihood is. Here's worst-case scenario for OU fans is if Richard Young comes out of his visit on March 3rd, is like, oh, my – or March 5th, it was awesome. I loved it. It's great. All right, I'm announcing my final two. OU and Alabama are my final – another running back coming down to OU and Bama would be enough just to throw OU fans over the edge, I bet. I think so too. If if that's what happened, there would be riots. Been there and done but, that. No, I here's here's what I think. Oklahoma has to hope that Ruben Owens doesn't end up at Texas because I, for my money Ruben Owens is far and away the best overall running back in the 2023 class. And he's not going to be a sooner everybody kind of realizes that and understands that. That that's just the type of guy though that you you don't want to see him tearing it True. up in a long way. Um, but Texas arguably had the best running back last year and still was able to go five and seven with uh, Bijan Robinson back there in the backfield. I mean, hey, you throw Re- Ruben Owens yeah. in the mix, that could be a seven and five team real quick though, Tyler. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll see about Richard Young. Uh, Parker saying that his hopes aren't you know too high here. But the fact of the matter is, they are not scared right now. They know where all the talent is at. Right, we we all know where most of the talent is at right now. It's mostly in the southeast. It's where you have to get into. Realistically, man, it's where you have to get if you're going to win a national championship, right? Yes. You, you don't have to get your entire recruiting cl- of class from the state of Florida or Georgia, but you have to be a player in the Southeast if you're going to develop a roster that is good enough to win you a national championship. And OU's not there now, per se, but they are making a real effort to get into the place where you have to be to, to win a natty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, that's where the majority of the players are. You have to, you have to be there to get over the hump. Well, and you think about the teams that are outside of the SEC territory, or I, I guess even just outside of the SEC that have won national championships in recent years, right? Florida State, Clemson. Ohio State won the national title back in 2014, but Ohio State has always had a very sure. strong national presence in those hotbeds all across the nation. So w- with the exception of Ohio State, all of the national championship teams that you've seen over the last decade plus 
have come from the Southeast. Yep. And it wasn't until Clemson and Brent Menables started really heavily recruiting the state of Florida and making inroads at IMG, for instance, that they truly became a national title contender on a perennial basis. And so if Oklahoma wants to become a perennial national title, uh, a perennial national title contender, this is the type of thing that they're going to have to do, not just in the 2023 class, but going forward. And they've already made some really strong relationships, uh, built some really strong relationships in the class of 2024. whole bunch of those guys from the state of Georgia and the state of Florida that are going to be on campus come March for their underclassmen day on the 26th. So everything's headed in the right direction here for Oklahoma. It's just a matter of maintaining the momentum as you start to hit uh, the spring and the summer and bring visitors in on a weekly basis. Yeah, we've been talking about the state of California for probably over a decade right now. Like, If there's a state out of the region where OU's had the most success, it's, it's definitely been in the state of California. And maybe OU will continue to have uh, good fortune out there on the West Coast. As long as you got DeMarco Murray, it's probably going to be the case. But as heavily as they've been in California, Parker, I feel like Florida is going to be the new California for OU. And I, do I speak for everyone here? I would much rather have the big presence be in Florida in the southeast than I would on the west coast. That's just me, but I, I feel like most fans are like, yeah, let's get into Florida as much as possible uh, as opposed to the west coast, please. Well, and when was the last time a team from out on the west coast won a national SC. championship? It was SC. USC in 2005. Yeah. That's how long it's been. And that was a different era. That was a way different era. Totally. And so you are not going to see Lincoln Riley, sorry, Mule Shoe. Yeah, that's better. You are not going to see Mule Shoe assemble a national championship team with talent from the state of California. If he wants to be going toe-to-toe with Alabama and Georgia and even Oklahoma, he's going to have to make an effort to go and recruit talent from the other side of the United States. Because that's where the most important positions defensively are. And not that there's... Not elite talent on the defensive line in California, yeah, but it doesn't Grayson seem Halton's one of them. There, it doesn't seem like there is many of those guys. You know, like they're few and far between. Muleshoe will be able to get a quarterback that can win him a title. I'm sure running backs and wide receivers that can win him a title. But will he be able to get the defensive lineman? I didn't happen at Oklahoma. I don't think it's going to happen at USC. Same thing for backers and corners and safeties. All that it just hammers home the point. You want to win a national championship, you have to have a big recruiting presence out on the Southeast. And I love that the staff has identified that using their connections to get to that area of the country. But uh, we did have good recruiting news this weekend. Tell us more about Dallas Dudley, the wide receiver who is basically like, hey guys, I'm committed. Yeah, Dallas Dudley, all-time leading receiver at Flower Mound Marcus High School. So he is a teammate of Ashton Cozart, the four-star Oklahoma commit in the class of 2023. But Dudley's a 22 guy, preferred walk-on. Didn't have scholarship offers, oddly. When you, when you think about a guy that set all the receiving records at a school that large and that significant in the Texas high school football scene, you'd figure that he would have moved the needle a little bit more than he did. But alas, uh, no real FBS scholarship interest to speak of. Oklahoma extends the preferred walk-on. I would have, yeah, you, You'd imagine that the connection with Cozart had something to do with that. And Dudley ends up committed to Oklahoma as a PWO. He is the son of Ricky Dudley, who spent nine seasons in the NFL as a tight end. So he's got football in his DNA. Shelton Sampson Jr. out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, another offer that was out this weekend. It feels like there's a new wide receiver offer out just about every single day Legit. right now. And man. Shelton mm-hmm. Sampson's one of those guys where, you know what, if he ends up going outside the state of Louisiana, it's 
it's one of those deals where I'm going to have to see it to believe it. Yeah, because, because LSU has actually put together a staff where New Orleans is a big deal. to, And you've got to have a local New Orleans guy or a guy with some serious ties to New Orleans. That's always been a big thing for LSU recruiting. They have that guy right now. I I don't love the hiring of Brian Kelly, but their recruiting staff, they're, they're going to do – as they've traditionally always done outside of Bama getting some guys here and there, they're going to do a good job of keeping Baton Rouge kids, New Orleans kids in state. Yeah, well, and the, the reality is when you look at the last decade in particular with those guys that come from the state of Louisiana, you know, Oklahoma will pull a Cody Ford every now and again, or a school like Florida will get a Trevor Etienne every now and again. But for the most part, those kids that don't end up at LSU end up at Alabama or they end up at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, Alabama's been the biggest player of any school outside that state, and there have been uh, videos before on National Signing Day where uh, some guy picks Alabama and Mama is not happy sitting there on the stage. I feel like that's happened uh, a couple different times with Louisiana kids going out of state. So, yeah, LSU will continue – to uh, put a fence around the state, but they're not—they're not NIL players. Like A and M's the big NIL player right now, and I thought that LSU would be, but they don't—they really haven't had the backing, money-wise, to be one of the bigger NIL-funded programs out there, which kind of surprised me a bit. They're looking around. They're losing. I just spoke to someone from Louisiana last week saying, you know, no one's competing with A&M right now and what they're doing, but at LSU, we're kind of behind in the game right now in really pushing that whole deal and recruiting. Which makes sense because they just spent all their money on Brian Kelly. Well, so. accurate. And and paying out a uh, paying out Ed Ogeron right Legit. now for the buyout. Seriously. Legit. And are they still paying less miles? They might still be paying less miles. Who knows, man. But the reality is, no, A&M is – making the big play with NIL. They are the heavy hitter in that regard. And then Nick Saban's pitch is the easiest pitch in the history of recruiting. He can walk into a kid's living room and say, listen, no player that's ever played four full years for me at Alabama has not won at least one national championship. Mm -hmm. You come to Alabama, you will leave with a ring. Yeah, well, and not even just that. Like The two best recruiting pitches you can have – Hey, uh, would you like to win a national championship? Oh, you would? Okay, well, no one's been doing that more than us the past decade. Um, I, I don't know if you've thought about your future recently. Does the NFL look like something that you would want to participate in here in a few years? Oh, okay. We, we, we've got high draft picks. we got dudes in the league. And here's how much money Bama players have made. So, yeah. I, I don't know if Alabama cheats or not, but they really don't have to right now with the recruiting pitch that they have. No, they don't. And... Once Alabama figures out how to play the NIL game as well as Texas A&M is playing it, or they just decide to play the NIL game as well as Texas A&M is playing it, oh, man, it's over for the rest of college football. Air Cover Solutions text line 405-651-3439. We'll hit some more of your texts coming up on the other side. It's Locked In on a Monday with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref.
Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. And this hour is brought to you by Chapel Supply. Chapel supplies you with the tools to tackle any power washing job, residential or commercial. They can also service all brands of power washers. Check them out. 6509 West Reno Avenue in Oklahoma City. Chapel supplies you. Uh, I liked our boy Gavin Freeman and the video that he tweeted out this weekend of him playing, uh, I think it was safety in high school last year. Yeah. And just coming up and rocking some dude that tried to make a catch over the middle. Uh, Maybe OU's getting a little bit of a football player here with Gavin Freeman after that. Look, what I'm telling you all is Gavin Freeman is Drake Stoops 2.0. You will see Gavin Freeman play a lot of football at Oklahoma before it's all said and done. Dude, that was – I mean, he's a wide receiver, and some people would say that, you know, wide receivers are soft and they're divas. And and (laughs) definitely in some cases that that's true, but – he went up and laid the stick on someone last year. I was like, dang, okay. Legit. And Gavin Freeman gets the Wes Welker comparisons. He gets the Drake Stoops comparisons. And it's not just because, oh, he's a short white guy playing wide receiver. No, it has to do with the fact that, again, he is a football player who has a ton of versatility and knows the game very well. And so he's the type of guy where, yeah, he's going to play wide receiver at the next level and he'll probably return punts or something like that. He'll use him in a very uh, similar capacity to how Drake Stoops has been used and how Wes Welker was used at Texas Tech. But he's also a guy that can do a little bit of legitimately everything. And you know what? If there comes a point in time at which Gavin Freeman says, maybe I have an easier path to playing time as a safety than I do as a wide receiver, well, he'll flip over and play the other side of the ball. Wes Welker was mu- he was very much cut from the same cloth. Wes Welker was kicking extra points for the Miami Dolphins at one point. And so it's guys like that that you just want to be part of your program, no matter how and no matter what their eventual, eventual positional fit is. Because if you recruit athletes, athletes will be productive for this your institution. This is a preferred walk-on spot. Exactly. Are you kidding me? And like, you didn't have to burn a scholarship on them? Yeah, so. and we're getting the question again on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. The difference between being a preferred walk-on and just a regular walk-on. Preferred walk-ons are guaranteed a roster spot. That's really the only discrepancy there is that they're guaranteed that they will have a jersey on their backs. And there's sometimes an understanding, probably even most of of the time an understanding, especially a guy like Gavin Freeman's case, I don't think he's going to be on campus for his third or fourth year and still be a walk-on. Like, the, there, there's probably the understanding, like, hey, let us get a year or two down the line and, and we will get you a scholarship. Yep. Especially if he plays preferred walk-on more likely to get a scholarship than maybe just a ordinary old walk-on. That's There's probably almost always a plan in place for that to happen. What else is going on on the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line? One, one listener asks, is Dylan Edwards like Debo Samuel sort of? Yeah, that's a good comparison. Debo's big, though, man. Debo, and, and here's the thing. Nobody is Debo Samuel mm. because mm. what Debo mm. Samuel's doing in the NFL is something that few players could replicate if put in his shoes. So I think the similarities between Dylan Edwards and Debo Samuel are just that, uh, that Dylan Edwards can line up all over the field, and he's just a guy that you want to get the ball to, kind of like the 49ers yeah. have done with Debo I guess Samuel. Debo's only, and I say only, six foot two fifteen. I thought he was a little bit taller than that. Dylan, is Dylan Edwards 5'9"? He's 5'9". Yeah. yeah. 5'9", 190. Kendall says, stop the shade towards Ben Harris. We didn't even say anything about Ben <laughs> Harris yet. That was for next segment, Kendall. Come on. Uh, one listener asked, what's the, what's the word with Vic Burley? 
Wasn't he tight with Bates when he was at Clemson? So Vic Burley, five-star defensive lineman in the class of 2023. Uh, That's a guy that I haven't heard much of. I know Oklahoma has offered him. And based on the relationship with Todd Bates, I would think they'll end up getting Vic Burley to campus at some point. I haven't heard a lot on that front yet, though. So that's another one to monitor, a name to file away. Uh, anything else before we move on here? Again, Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439 if you want to chime in. What is Cole Adams' true height? He's 5'10". I'm not convinced his true height matters, though, because – It doesn't look like it matters. You watch him on a football field, he he's legit got probably a 40-inch vertical. And so he's got the ability to play much bigger than 5'10". Yeah, well, five foot ten has uh, not stopped Alabama from uh, offering him very early on in the process. Again, OU is going to. Um, I think in the month of March that's that's going to happen. So he'll he'll be he'll be all right. And I think a conversation that you and I had recently, like if you look back, OU's had so much success at wide receiver the past twenty years. Now guys like Malcolm Kelly were bigger wide receivers, sure, but it seems like OU's had more. Success with shorter guys. Ryan Broyles was on the smaller side. Mark Clayton was extremely small when he got to OU. Um, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, again, he was extremely small as well. Sterling Shepard wasn't a big dude. So I- I'm not saying that that's how OU should recruit. They should always go after five foot ten, five foot eleven guys. And clearly they're not. They're going after 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", guys. But Past 20 years, smaller wide receivers have been very good to OU. And and those smaller guys have been able to do everything. They haven't been just shifty guys that have been good at finding space in the middle of a defense. No, those are guys, even smaller guys, that could really stretch the field. So it hasn't really mattered the size or shape at wide receiver. OU's found a way to make it happen. By the way, uh, on the topic of larger receivers, Oklahoma's getting Kyler Casper on campus next month. Yeah. So that's a thing. Yeah, that's that's good news. And as we talk about hearing about a new wide receiver, like every day, every other day. You want to get to a couple more here? Well, I, we just have one more text to get to, and it's from Kendall, who says, Oklahoma is putting themselves behind the eight ball with each day that goes by, in my opinion. So, I, again, to say it again, we expect OU to offer soon. It sounds like he expects OU to offer soon as well and knows the situation. So, I don't think that OU's behind the eight ball as much as it may seem to you know the outside world am I accurate with that yes and again if Oklahoma does offer Cole Adams which I expect the ball is 1000 percent in Cole Adams court at that point in time because all of Oklahoma's offers are committable we will continue to rehash it and restate it because we just want to make absolutely certain that everybody is aware anybody that has an offer from Oklahoma under Brent Venables and this new staff can pick up the phone, call Oklahoma, and commit, and they're not going to say, hold up, we want you to wait. Uh, we need to have a couple other conversations first. We'll get back to you. No. Any player that tries to commit to Oklahoma under Brent Venables and this staff will be accepted immediately. So if Cole Adams gets the offer, it is up to him whether he wants to come play football at the University of Oklahoma or not. And from everything I know, it sounds like he wants to come play football at the University of Oklahoma. 100%. And uh, speaking of 100%, is that what Isaiah Brockington shot from the field on Saturday? Ugh. Dude, some of those were like <laughs> high-difficulty fadeaway shots with a guy right in his face, and it did not matter. And OU clearly has not been on a good run of things this past month. 
but they've still been in virtually every single game. There's some losses that have mounted, but they were close against Baylor. They were close against Kansas. They were close against Texas at home. They had been close so many times. That was the first time in a while, man, where that game was decided, you know, 10 minutes left in the second half. You lose by 21 points at Iowa State and – I'm not saying that you should accept that, but the way that Brockington was shooting the ball from the outside, I don't, I don't know what else you do with that guy. I, I don't, I don't know. It, he's just going to hit those shots. Yeah, sometimes There's you can do about Sometimes it. you can't stop a dude like that. Sometimes he's just on one, and you got to take the L and try and regroup, get things back on track. And you know, Steele and I were talking about it earlier. Oklahoma basketball, that program, Porter Moser and his boys have got to win those last three games. They got to beat West Virginia and Oklahoma State at home, and they got to go to Bramlage and knock off Kansas State for the first time since 2012. That's got to happen if they're going to make the tournament. One other comment via the Air Comfort Solutions text line: One listener says, "What about Justin Harrington? Justin Harrington's not going to be back at Oklahoma. I don't know where he's going to be in 2022. It will not be back at Oklahoma because what was the first thing that Brent Venables said with regard to personnel?" in his opening press conference, uh, when he was asked about the transfer portal in particular, he said, look, I don't want guys that quit on their team in the middle of the season. That's exactly what Justin Harrington did. Mm-hmm. That is exactly the type of guy that Brent Menables told you with his own mouth he doesn't want in his locker room. Yeah, and again, he's not going to bend the rule. I don't care how good Justin Harrington is, which – you know, we've been talking about for two years now the size and the length that he has from his spot in the secondary and how great of a player he could be. It does not matter, man. They didn't bend for Justin. They didn't bend for Caleb Williams. So they're definitely not going to bend for a guy like Justin Harrington, who by now has to be the longest tenured player in the transfer portal, right? I don't know if we've ever seen a longer tenured player in the portal than Justin Harrington. He's been in there forever, man. Well, I'm sure there are players that have been in there longer. I don't know. As a matter of fact, I know, I, I know for sure there are players that have been in there longer. Jeez. Because, like, the thing about the transfer portal is if you don't find another destination, you just get lost in the twilight zone out there. Well, I, I wonder if that's what's happening to him right now. Not a good look, though, if you quit during the middle of the season. No. All right, keep the text coming. Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. More coming up next right here on Locked In with McComas and Thune on the ref.
We are the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. Looking for a new career? Chapel Supply can hook you up with a new career. Apply online today at chapelsupply.com. Was uh, looking through Twitter last night, and I was wondering why a USC women's tweet kept popping up in my timeline, and then I quickly realized, oh, yeah, that's why. Uh, that's because the number two Sooners dominated USC yesterday, four to nothing, top ten USC. The tweet said, battled against a tough opponent today, but came up short. And OU fans, uh, like everything else USC-related, you absolutely destroyed that tweet, and, and let me say it was hilarious. The best one came from uh, Matthew J. Allen. We didn't take the win from USC. We took it from the transfer portal. God, you guys are amazing. I love it. And I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine what the first USC football loss is going to look like next year on, on the internet. It's going to be glorious. Going to be glorious. Man, I just uh, – <laughs> I, I wonder what it must be like to be a USC fan right now. It's got to be kind of bewildering because – Anytime you post something pro USC on your Twitter feed, you run the risk of just getting ratioed into oblivion by OU fans. You got to be sitting there as a USC fan, like, what did I do? Like, <laughs> all my school did was hire a new football coach, and now I'm getting targeted. Well, forget about the regular fan. Like, think about Muleshoe himself. Like, that's a big kind of okay. That's but- a tool for his recruiting, and I-, I don't know. Like, does he feel right now that he can't be as active on social media? Like, because he knows everything he puts out is going to get destroyed by OU fans and lit on fire? Maybe. I mean, I I don't feel sorry for Muleshoe, though, because no, he's no, culpable in all not. of this. Of if there's not. one person I don't feel sorry for in this whole ordeal, it's Muleshoe. But the casual USC fan that just wants to support their team on social media, I do feel bad for them because they're going to end up being the target of a lot of OU vitriol. We're trying to grow the game, uh, college football. We're trying to re-engage the West Coast. And OU fans are destroying any possibility of the Pac-12 ever being relevant again or getting any uh, attention out there on the West Coast because USC fans are like, "Eh, I mean, I was kind of iffy on college football to begin with, and now if all I do is tweet about my favorite team, I get destroyed. Forget this. I'm going to go somewhere else. So good job, OU fans. You're going to... The, the Pac-12 is already in bad shape. You're going to destroy it even more. Thank you. Your service here has been fantastic, and I appreciate it. I uh, I would hate my life if I were a USC fan because it all reflects so poorly on me in the eyes of OU fans. You're just like, I just, I just root for this team. I'm not the one that had discreet meetings with Muleshoe behind the scenes to make him the new head football coach at USC. And that's the thing, like, you may have 38 followers, and you're almost going to, like, try to tweet out in secrecy your support, but oh, buddy, Uh OU fans will sniff you out if you just put out anything on. Doesn't matter what your follower number is or what your status is or whatever, OU fans are sniffing it out right now on social media and exposing people. It's so great. College football doesn't need the Pac-12 to be good, though, or relevant. I I don't think so either, like... It has become a very regionalized sport. Um, It's very Southeast dominant right now. But would it be overall better for college football if the West Coast got back in it? I guess maybe. But I I think college football is just going to be okay with with Ohio State being the king of the north. And then, you know, in the Southeast Conference, Southeastern Conference, you got OU, Georgia, Alabama all jockeying for position every single year. College football to me will always be all right. 
It'll always be okay. It's going to be more regionalized maybe now than ever, but it, 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 will, it will be okay. It's going to be very SEC heavy the next few years. It's going to be well. It's going to be very SEC heavy forever at this rate because you put OU and Texas into the SEC. Man, I don't know how anybody. And I know we were talking about it earlier, uh, earlier in the week on the show or last week, I suppose it is because it's gosh, it's a Monday. I'm losing track of days already. But um, outside of Notre Dame, solely because of Marcus Freeman. I'm not convinced that there's any program outside the SEC that's going to be able to compete for a national title in the near future, in the foreseeable future. And I like Notre Dame, and I like Marcus Freeman. I would have, just me, a little bit more confidence that if it's going to happen, it's going to come from Ohio State. Just because Ryan Day was able to get to a national championship, but defense has seemingly dropped off quite a bit since he's taken over as the head coach in Columbus. Gosh, I I, I just realized I've become insufferable. I hate myself. Uh-oh. I am Paul Feinbaum. I'm sitting here like, it's the SEC and everybody else. I know, man. I, I, I know. But we uh, we don't have to champion that league like everyone else does in that <laughs> conference. But, dadgum, we, we are uh, – we are admitting what we didn't want to admit for over a decade is, yeah, all right, whatever, it's the best league. We knew it was the best league all along, but now's the time that we actually have to admit that that's the case. And it is top-heavy, sure, but the thing about it is the top's getting a lot heavier yeah. in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it definitely is for sure, and we'll see what the ramifications are of the playoff not expanding. Uh, what the SEC is going to do? Does the SEC just say, huh, "Okay, you guys can do your own thing. Uh, we'll go do our own thing as well"? Like, there's already been the past two years. I would argue, uh, let, let's go past five years. There's been more change in college football the past five years than there's probably ever been. I wonder if we're not done just yet on the massive changes that are going to happen to this sport. I got to think that there's going to be more multiple changes to the sport that's going to make it look vastly different than it did 20 years ago. If I'm the SEC, play an eight-team tournament for the SEC title. Get rid of the SEC title game, just do what the college football won't, and expand the playoff, but only in the SEC. Have the top eight teams in that conference play a three-week tournament to decide the champion. Yeah, and then we get to debate every single summer, okay, who would have won the national championship, the SEC champion or the whatever else they call the NCAA national champion, right? Who, who would have won? Would Oklahoma, the SEC champion, have beaten Ohio State, who won the other league out there? I, I do fear a little bit of what college football is going to become. No, no, what I'm saying there. is like the SEC champion still plays in the college football playoff and all that, but... Just make there be a playoff in order to win the SEC. Yeah, that would be that'd be all right. That'd be a way to get ratings. I feel up, like right? there'd be some buy-in. I'd- it would also put a lot of pressure on the other conferences too, because then they would have to look at things and be like, "Well, the the SEC is doing it, so we we, we should probably get on board." Yeah. Well, I I just can't wait for more. Uh, o- I, I don't know if OU plays USC in any more sports coming up. But um, when that happens, the Twitter responses are going to be great. And as Brandon Walker of uh, Barstool was saying this week, the first USC football loss this year is going to be the most interacted tweet with on social media. That is going to be incredible. I wonder if, now that everyone knows this, if USC won't even tweet out about their football loss 
after their first loss this year. If that like they'll just say, no, we know what's going to happen here. We don't want to be the running joke. We're just not even going to tweet out that Stanford beat us thirty-one to thirteen on the road this week. I don't know. It's a it's a real possibility. What if that first loss is just like a beat down too? It's it's probably going to be. Hopefully, it's to Rice or Fresno State. But I'll uh, I'll take a uh, Stanford loss. To I could Pac-12 I could play. very well see them losing to Fresno State. Fresno State's a pretty good little program, man. Like I think USC will have a winning record. I think they'll go to a bowl game. But I could also very well see them losing to Fresno State. Sure. Hey, uh, coming up next, OU softball had an unbelievable weekend. Really, both Diamond Sports were really good this weekend. So we'll cover that and a little bit more recruiting on the other side. But as you know, we'll hit your text as well on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Close it up, locked in on the other side. Coming up next.
Welcome back. Final segment, locked in with McComas and Thune. And uh, just so incredibly impressive what OU softball has accomplished through the first 10 games of the season. Outscoring opponents 95-2, to which, by the way, those two runs are uh, unearned. So through 10 games this year, a brand new pitching staff, for the most part, um, has not surrendered an earned run just yet. 95-2, and they've uh, outscored their opponents. 25 home runs, 86 strikeouts by this pitching staff. I heard you say earlier that you think that this team is going to go undefeated. I mentioned that on the rush last week as well. Um, look, there's going to definitely be a game or two where they don't have their best stuff, but they've already played the best team that they're going to face, UCLA. That's that's part of the reason I think that they're going to run the table. And they will face some good teams along the way. They'll face some good competition in California this weekend, but not anyone that's as good as UCLA. Oklahoma State, they're not as good as they've been in years past. Uh, Texas is very gettable this year. So to say that this team is going to go undefeated, miraculously, and this speaks to how good they are, I don't really think is all that hot of a take after they started 10-0 and and outscoring opponents 95-2. to Yeah, the way I look at it, I you said it exactly, Tyler, which is they played the best team that they're going to play all year in UCLA. They handled them. To have a collective ERA of zero through 10 games is impressive enough in its own right to have won what six out of 10 games by run rule yeah or seven out of your first 10 that's impressive in its own right or is but it when you is it eight Loyola Marymounts uh UCLA I think it I think it's eight dang yeah okay the point being is that when your pitching is this good it's impressive enough when your hitting is this good it's impressive enough in its own right. When you have a team that is this dominant as far as both offense and defense and pitching, I I don't see how you lose a ba- I, I I almost said a baseball game. I don't I don't see how you lose a softball game. Well, because for that to happen, they're so dominant on both sides. That's the thing. That both sides are going to have to be off in the same day. Like even which if, is not going to happen. Even if OU is squaring balls up and they're, you know, they're hitting it right at people the entire game. That, that happens. That happens in, in softball at times, though it seems like more times not when OU's squaring up a pitch, it's going over the center field wall. But even if you have an off day offensively, and that's what you're saying, they're so good in the circle that they can make up for an off day offensively. If they're having a rough day in the circle, well, offensively, they're so good that they can win a slugfest if needed to. So you're going to have to catch OU on the right day where you're able to manufacture some runs. Again, there's no earned run so far this year. And you're going to have to find a day where you shut them down, which good luck with that, man. Yeah. Good luck. It's the perfect storm is what it's going to require if you're going to beat Oklahoma. It's going to have to be the perfect storm because if the bats don't bring the juice, the pitching will pick up the slack and vice versa. And so to me, this has the opportunity to be the most dominant softball team in the history of college softball. And if they do, like we're kind of saying, which is run the table all the way through, there will be no denying that they are one of the best, if not the best, softball team that has ever played before. Certainly the best OU team if they were able to run the regular season. But if they run it all the way through, I don't know how you say that they're not the greatest softball team of all time. And that'll certainly be a summer. That'll be an off-season debate that we'll have. 
but OU's going to have something in this modern age of softball that no one else has had before. And, and I think the other debate that will ensue is, is this the greatest athletic team that the University of Oklahoma Ooh, has ever fielded? Okay. Because that's, that's going to be an interesting yeah. discussion if they go undefeated. Sure. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of competition. You think about those outstanding women's gymnastics teams of years past, the Bud Wilkinson era Sooners that won 47 games in a row. There's going to be some stiff competition in that regard, and that's why I I think that's what I'm most excited for if the Sooners end up going undefeated and claiming the national championship, which I know that's looking way down the road, but that would be a really fun debate to have. Yeah, and you got to factor in the level of competition at the time that the feat was, was done. And college softball, it's never been as hot as it is right now, man. I And I don't think that the sport is – as talented, maybe. Um, I think it's as talented now than it's ever been. So if you were to do it in this era, and I realize that UCLA is is reloading a, a little bit, but if you do it in this era, uh, buddy, that is that is something that I don't know if that can be touched, man. What they're doing right now is incredible. Jocelyn Allo ties the record yesterday. All-time home run sets by Lauren Chamberlain. So she's probably going to break the record this weekend in California as they get ready to go to the West Coast again. OU baseball, really good weekend. Um, thought they got some really good starts from some pitchers. Saturday wasn't all that great. Uh, a pretty big loss to Arizona. But to bounce back last night against Michigan um, and play defensively and pitch as well as they did, that was that was a, that was a really successful weekend for, for OU baseball. And in the sport of baseball, and I say this as a former long, long-time baseball player, you almost would rather have a lopsided loss than a real close one because really yes i promise you just because hmm. the emotion the emotional investment that you put into a tight baseball game and the way that you have to sit there inning after inning and throw your best arms on the mound and put your best bats up yeah, in the plate yeah i mean it's not a postseason game though it's just the second game of the year yeah i understand that but especially early in the season when guys are getting their legs underneath them, and there's a way higher risk for injury earlier in the season just because everybody's coming off an off season in which they were progressing toward the season itself, and you don't know exactly what guys' level of durability is going to be. Uh, you don't want to have to push guys any further than they're comfortable going. Put so. me in the camp that I never want to lose 14-4. to I don't want to lose ever any time, but I definitely don't want to lose 14-4. to All right, that'll do it for us. The Rush is coming up next. Keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That'll do it for Parker. Tyler and Teddy coming up next.